I want to say something profane is what I want to do. Welcome to episode 8 of Power Play. My name's Jim Jones. And I am Peter Street. And we have another great show for you tonight. So why don't you go ahead and introduce the show segments, Peter. Well, here on episode 8 of Power Play, we're going to have our... Me and you, Jim, are going to have our epic, mm-hmm. our, our top seven favorite games of all time. Favorite games. Big echo. Yes. Games, games, games. It's uh, going to be spectacular because not only are we revolutionary in the fact that we have top seven lists that no other gaming podcast out there does. I don't think I've seen it anywhere before. I haven't. I know. I I sure as hell haven't. But uh, on top of that uniqueness, we're not going to try and mimic all the other people who do greatest games yeah. or do most popular games or greatest selling games. Yeah. No, 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 no. That's that's below us. It's beneath the top seven, really. It, it is, it's not on par with having a top seven list. No. So basically, here at Power Play, what we have decided to do is we're going to do me and Jim's top seven favorite games of all time, and, and the difference is, is key, so let me explain that to the listeners. The difference is, we're going to do me and Jim's personal favorite games. In other words, the, the top seven games that gave us, me and Jim, the most pleasure throughout our individual lives. Just our personal favorites. Beat em and eat em is number one on my list for pleasure. I hope that's not on your list, because I'm going to have to stop casting with you. No, it's not on my list. Oh, good. It's probably on my top seven worst, even though I haven't played that one, so I have no personal <laughs> experience with it. You have played it, though, aren't you? I played it. I emulated it. I mean, played it on the original system <laughs> for which it was developed. I was going to say, I hope you aren't up there on the rooftops uh, hiring hookers to do anything, <laughs> like, uh, like that game pass. <laughs> no, I didn't <laughs> act it out in real life. Okay. Ah, All right. I couldn't. Hey, well, yeah, I've got some serious stamina. Moving on, our second segment of the night is going to be what was discussed on the forums as an interesting topic of conversation: the perfect game. Does anyone really think the perfect game exists? No, because I don't. It doesn't. Yet. I mean, I. I mean, I've went over my favorite games, and I've been trying to decide what should end up on my top seven. I'm sure you have too, right, Jim? Oh, yeah. It took me a long time. The last week and a half, at least. Yep. And none of those games, even my number one game, I would not label it as the perfect game. No, I wouldn't either. And what is it about games? I mean, gaming has been strong for the last 20-plus years. During that time, I don't think there has been anything 
to achieve anywhere near what I would consider perfect game status. Yeah. I think one of the perfect one of the qualities of the perfect game is that you would never not be playing it. <laughs> <laughs> it would effectively kill you. <laughs> yeah, the perfect game would be the perf- the perfect drug. It would yeah. end up killing you. Because even the games here on my top seven list, I don't play them anymore. Well, we're getting way too far ahead. We of are ourselves. getting ahead. Let me fi- yes, you're right. We need to right. hold off. Hold okay, the horses. Okay, let's just let's put the brakes on. Yeah. And after the perfect game, we will be discussing what we're playing, as well as discussing some listener questions, which were raised on our forum. So indeed. I guess that's uh, that's going to be our program this uh, this time. Yep. So why don't we uh, get right Let's into go it? Go ahead and start the top seven, I guess, right? Top seven favorite games. Per- personal favorites. Yep. Um, I'm gonna. I guess I'll go ahead and go first. Uh, we're gonna alternate it. I'm gonna do my seven, then Peter will do his seven, and then then our six, and blah blah blah. Uh, but my number seven is a game that I know. Uh, Peter Dragon has has some familiarity with because oh. he listed it as one of his possible favorite games. Oh, I and think you can probably guess what this is. We've been talking about it before. Yeah, have I been playing it recently? Yeah, you have. Well? Okay, I, yeah, I definitely know what this is. Take a guess. Uh, I would bet this is Star Control 2. Ooh, he got it. Star Control 2 for the PC. PC slash DOS? Was it that old? That yeah, I'm not it sure was. of. Ooh. It's actually not on my list, so I'm not sure. Yeah, well, but. it is on my list. Uh, this game was the first game that really ever got me to take notes. And it's because <laughs> this game was huge. I mean, the, the scope of this game was enormous. Right. There were hundreds and hundreds of stars that you could go to, and each star had a planetary system with different planets that you could go and uh, explore and yeah. mine ore and all sorts of things. It was insanely huge. Yeah, it really gave you... And I've probably not played it as much as you, Jim, but uh, just playing it back in the day mm-hmm. a little bit because I never really sunk my teeth into it back in the day. But just recently, having played it quite a bit... I didn't actually finish the game this time either, but it is just, I mean, it gives you this vast sense of freedom. Yeah, yeah, it really I mean, does. You, I mean, you can, you can go anywhere in that star map, and you can know there's going to be something you'll encounter. And it's just, it's an enormous universe, and it's just, it's not on a rail, you're not... I mean, you no. don't have to do it just this way, you can go anywhere you want. Yeah, and as long as you have the fuel, as long as you have the resources, you can and the time, do it. Though. <laughs> and the time, you can do it your way, and yeah. it just makes you feel like you are free. What genre would you put this in? I, it's like a, it's like a space shooter RPG. It's yeah, because it's actually most. I mean, one of its most notable features is the super melee mode. Yeah, it, which is awesome. The multiplayer in this game awesome. was great. And that's really totally detached from the main adventure. Yeah, there I mean, are. I mean, there are. Even times though you, when you, you have to fight, fight, yeah, but it's not like focused on that. It's I no. would I would call it a role playing game. Mm-hmm. 
um, a role-playing, real-time shooting strategy game. It really is a role-playing game because you put your name in in the beginning and you you don't necessarily level up, but you keep gaining more and more uh, resources and you can spend those towards increasing the power of your ship and yes. uh, modding it out and doing all sorts of stuff to that and then buying more ships and making a fleet. It's it's really it's just a fun game. And it was yeah. the first game, like I said, that made me take notes and really just felt as huge as this game was. Right. Yeah, it's uh, one of the most fun games I've ever played. Probably yep. because I didn't actually get to experience it back when it was first coming onto the scene. That's probably one of the major reasons it doesn't appear on my list. Okay. Eh, makes sense, I guess. But I would say that's a pretty good choice. All right, what about your number seven? Uh, number seven. This is the game on my list that actually shocks me. <laughs> really? Yeah. I don't even... Part of me is trying to wake myself up and go, Why is this on my list? Why? Oh, my God. If it's a Pokemon game, you're off the show. <laughs> <laughs> I would go ahead and close Skype right now in okay. this podcast myself. <laughs> But even though those games aren't that bad. No, anyway, they're not. I've played Chris. They're not. It's not that they're bad. They're fun, actually. And they have some good mechanics in there. No, this is uh, Resident Evil 4. You're surprised that it's on there? I really am, because I thought I was older. I thought I was more of a hardcore old schooler. I thought huh. I was really more of an old school guy. And I, I just think that's the me of my imagination. Because I have looked my list over, and there is a lot of new school on my list, man. Really? Oh, it's actually mostly new school. But what and, do you and consider not, new school? Okay, well, Resident Evil is pretty much the one of the latest of the latest. Yeah, I mean, RE4. I mean, it's on the GameCube. It's just last yeah, generation, so. Yeah, it's, I mean, what, two years ago at most? Yeah, it's not retro yet by any means. No, no, no. Or old school. And, and uh... I mean, it's not the latest of the latest, but, you know, not much is, so. Yeah. And it's still one of the best, most visually satisfying games I've ever played in my life. That's probably one of the reasons that it's on my list, because a lot of the games here... Oh, you graphics whore. I am a bit of a graphics slut. Oh, you slut. Bend over and take it for the graphics. I like to open my eyes and let all the graphics come right in. And I just can't get enough. Yep. So uh, Resident Evil 4 is downright beautiful. Yeah. And I have not I have not played the, the PS2 port, but I can tell you on GameCube, next to Twilight Princess, or maybe even above and beyond Twilight Princess for GameCube, huh. it is clearly, if, if not the best visuals you'll get on the GameCube, uh-huh. second or third. I'll bet you Uh it actually looks worse on the PS2 because it's a less powerful system, isn't it? The GameCube version is probably a little prettier, I would think, because the GameCube can do certain texture features that the PS2 cannot do. And it was originally a GameCube exclusive, so I think they did originally tweak it to take advantage more so of the GameCube hardware. So I definitely suggest that version to the listeners and anyone out there with a Wii... If you've got a Nintendo Wii, uh, that hello, that means you also have a GameCube. I know you might know that already, but if you know that and you have not bought 
or found somewhere Resident Evil 4 for GameCube to play on your Wii, then you need to do that right now. Yeah, shut and off the you podcast can, you, and go get it. Just go ahead, listen to us later. Thank you very much. I will be expecting the donation in the mail. <laughs> awesome. It really is one of the best games, and it's by far the best Resident Evil game ever made. I haven't really been scared at games before. I kind of jump sometimes, like the old Resident Evils, you jump and you'd laugh at it and be like, oh, wasn't that silly? Oh, Nemesis popped out of the wall again. This game will scare the shit out of you. Yeah. It will seriously keep you built in. It will build the tension, build the tension, build the tension, and then slam you with the scariest shit you've ever seen in your life, and then calm it down just a little bit, only to do it ten times more so in just a few minutes later. It's way more action-oriented than the other Resident Evils. It has a completely real-time 3D engine that, like I've already said, is gorgeous. You can blow off all kinds of parts to all of the zombies. You can blow off their head, and there are parasites in them that will shoot out of where their head was, <laughs> lash out at you. And the the art, the design, it has moments in the game that are like movie moments, and then you just like press a button at the given time in order to progress the sequence. Oh, like you were talking about in Shimu or Shimu, Shamu. Yeah, Shimu had it first where you would like be exploring the city in the game of Shimu for Dreamcast. Yeah. And suddenly like a guy would grab some fruit off of a, of a stand and you know, the shop owner would be like, "Stop, thief." And then suddenly you're chasing after him and like a cat runs in your path and you have to hit the A button really quick at the right moment in order to jump the cat and continue the search. And if you don't, you trip over the cat and the guy gets away. (laughs) Uh, It has similar things like that in Resident Evil 4, but instead of running after a thief and jumping over cats, you're like running from bolters and boulders and you're dodging enormous zombies while they try and crush you with huge things. Or you're in a knife fight. Like with a really fast opponent, you're you're in this awesome knife fight, and you're hitting multiple buttons at the precise time in order to huh. do knife moves on him. That's kind of cool. It, and it's really it's really dynamic. It's really intense. It's always interesting. You can level up your weapons. I mean, it has pseudo RPG elements. Man, for some it's... strange reason, you you talk about that knife fight. Now I'm picturing. The beat it music video was zombies. And I, I don't know why. <laughs> God, picture Michael Jackson fighting a zombie with a knife. Just beat it. He's knife fighting. Yeah, they got their hands zombie. tied together like a like the old gang oh. knife fights. And, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> You'd probably lose in a knife fight against a zombie. I would think so. Can't praise the game enough. It has great boss fights. It's just an excellent game. We should probably do a, a top seven of our scariest games ever. Because uh, I've got a good scary game story for Silent Hill. Oh yeah, that's one of the most freaky experiences you've ever told me. Yeah. If I didn't know you so well, I'd doubt your sanity. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's 100% true. But I, I may save that for another time. Yeah, you might want to. All right. Well, actually, I never played Resident Evil Four, believe it or not. 
I played one, two, three, and I think that was it. I played all three before that, but never four. Yeah, four changed the series. Yeah, I've heard it's absolutely amazing, and it's the best it's, in the series. So yeah, it's totally different. It transformed the series. Very familiar, but they changed so much. They improved on everything. Yeah. And it's the first one, I mean, Code Veronica for Dreamcast and eventually PS2 was a completely realized 3D game. Yeah. But it still had fixed camera angles and it wasn't very dynamic. Uh Where Resident Evil 4 is is really dynamic and takes advantage of uh, real-time environments a lot better. What was the other one? There was was it Resident Evil Zero on the N sixty four? Uh, there was uh, Resident Evil Zero on the on the GameCube. Or I think it was on the GameCube. They redid some. They redid okay. the original Resident Evil on GameCube. Yeah, well, I, I played the original one on GameCube, not the original Resident Evil, but the the unique one on GameCube. Okay. Not four. There was another one. Yeah, there was. It wasn't that great. Yeah, it wasn't. I mean, it, it still had static, pre-rendered backgrounds. And, yep. I mean, it had real-time 3D characters like the series has always had, mm-hmm. but it had pre-rendered backgrounds and just... It was all right. You know, I suppose, but nothing yeah. tops RE4. I don't know. I liked them that's, too, but that's just... Uh, I never played 4. You should... Two was good. I agree. Two was a great game. Yeah. But uh, four, you should uh, do yourself a favor and, and transform your view of the series by playing the fourth game. All right. Well, uh, I'm gonna go ahead and do my number six now. My number six is Super Street Fighter Two for the Super Nintendo. Oh. And a lot of people are gonna be like, "What the hell is this doing on a favorite games list?" But I love this game. It's hands down my favorite fighting game. Nothing else even comes close. I mean, I played Mortal Kombat 2 a lot in the arcades, but nowhere near as cool as this game. Now, do you mean Super Street Fighter 2 Turbo? No, I just mean plain old Super Street Fighter 2. Oh, because most people say that Super Street Fighter 2 Turbo was the best one. Yeah, but I never played that. It came out really late, like after Super Street Fighter, or after Street Fighter series was kind of going downhill. Yeah, yeah. But Super Street Fighter 2 was the one where they had the new the four new characters. They had Cammy and DJ and Feelong or Feilong, however you say that, and T-Hawk. Hey, Long, oh yeah. T-Hawk was the first uh Native American fighter in a fighting game, if you didn't know that. <laughs> I had no idea. Is that really true? That's true. Yeah, it's 100% true. Nice fact. But I I just remember this game really fondly from when I was younger, and I've got an awesome, awesome story about this game that I think I've told you numerous times. Yeah, you probably have. I remember playing this with you one time. I was <laughs> at your house, and you guys came in. You didn't even know I was there already. Yeah. And I was playing. I really liked Chun-Li in that game. Did I end up thrashing you? Because I was freaking yeah, awesome I got, at this. I got wasted by you and your cousin, Sean. Oh yeah, yeah. That's not the cousin I'm talking about in this story, though. There was a oh yeah, I know that. one of my other cousins. I've told you this story before, but we yeah, used this to is go the one-handed story. <laughs> yeah, the one-handed story. Okay. Uh, <laughs> me and my cousin, or me and my brother, used to go over to my cousin's house all the time. He's the same one that I was talking about that had the Sega stuff. 
Uh-huh. Right. Uh, but he also had a Super Nintendo, so we'd go over there and play Super Street Fighter bastard. 2. I know, he had a bunch of stuff. Uh, but we'd go over there and play Super Street Fighter 2 all the time, and and it was uh, always a good competition because we were pretty much the same skill level. So one time we went over there, and my cousin had a broken arm. Like, he had broke it maybe a week earlier. Right, yeah. And it was his right arm, I think. How did yeah. he break it? I don't know. He, he was a big skateboarder. It might have been doing that, like hurt his shoulder or something. Or it broke uh-huh. his wrist. But uh, he couldn't use his right arm at all. And <laughs> we went over there and we totally thrashed him, kicked his ass. Because he couldn't play but with one hand. And so <laughs> the next time we went over there, like maybe a few weeks later, yeah, we go over there and he has developed this system of playing one-handed. And he would set the controller on the ground. <laughs> if you can picture this, he would set it on the ground. And uh-huh. he would, he would like pinch it between like his knee and his pinky, and he would use the remaining fingers to press the directional pad and the buttons and do every single move you could possibly think of in the game. He could do it one-handed, oh, and he could wow. do it on command instantly. And it turned out that we went over there and he started destroying us one-handed. We couldn't beat the guy. Are you kidding me? Because I, <laughs> I still have a hard time buying the story. I am not. I kid you not. <laughs> it was amazing. Because I mean, I mean, how much of an advantage do you have as the two-handed player? I you mean, come on. Would think you have a ton of advantage. Yeah, you should mop the floor with him like, <laughs> uh, like you and Stephen Hawking in a knife fight. I mean, come on. <laughs> you and you a zombie in a knife fight. <laughs> you should destroy him. Yeah, Absolutely, hands down. Yeah, we I would have left. Him. I would have given up gaming if that happened to me. <laughs> I don't think I could tolerate it. The thing is, he was worse with two hands. That's the thing. That's the clincher. Was he really? He was worse with two How hands. How can you possibly be worse? <laughs> wor- worse? I don't know. With with two hands. He just didn't want to be beaten severely, so he learned how to play one handed, and he kicked our asses. And so he didn't have a joystick or anything. He had a Super Nintendo controller, standard thing. Wow. Yeah, and that was amazing. Dumbfounding. I couldn't believe it. So that's my Super Street Fighter 2 story. It's a pretty good game. Yeah. And uh, I enjoyed playing it, but uh, at the time my parents were pretty big strict strictos on... Uh, is that a word? Strictos? Strictos? Oh yeah, yeah. that's a word. It's a hip 80. That sounds like it's from it's the 80s. It's the Latin name for an albino elephant. Yeah, they were real strictos. <laughs> so uh, they wouldn't let me play fighting uh, fighting game because it was violent. They said that, that I couldn't play it, so I was only <laughs> able to really play it when I'd go over to your house. And uh, thus I was never really that good. It was very compelling and fun, but mm-hmm. I was never really able to to get good so when you get repeatedly beat at any game yeah no matter how good the game is i think eventually you you dislike it yeah and this game i mean it didn't have the best graphics it wasn't like necessarily the best looking or the most responsive or anything but it was just a fun yeah. game to play most people say that the old school 2d fighting games are the best still i mean you don't get better fighting games as far as their response time yeah I mean, there are. I mean, 3D games are finally catching up. Namely, you know, 
series like Virtual Fighter, things <laughs> well, was, like that. I was going to say, when Virtual Fighter first came out, it was terrible. Yeah, it's uh, the original Virtual Fighter wasn't very good. Virtual no. Fighter 2 kind of changed that a lot. It was a lot better. Um, and then the more recent Virtual Fighters are some among the best. But, uh... Well, yeah, that was my number six. That's number six. Number six for me is, uh... It's the Legacy of Kane Soul Reaver. Wow, that's on your top favorite games list? Yes. Why? Because it's this game series. Now, I'm, I must make a quick little side note. I am talking about the Dreamcast version. Yeah, the original one. This one, Of the original, yes. It was originally released on the uh, PlayStation 1. Oh, it came out first? Yes. And then about a year or six months to a year later, it was re-released with higher resolution graphics, better textures. Oh, that's why you love it, you big graphic whore. I am a graphics whore, but that's not why. No, that's why. This is on my favorite games. It's because this is one of the first games, mind you now. I'll I'll guess your number one right now. It's Crisis, isn't it? You graphics whore. Oh, fuck off with that (laughs) shit. I don't even have a PC that could run that motherfucker. Nobody anyway. does. None, they don't exist yet. Yeah, as soon as I, uh, as soon as I do, I'll have that game, and it will definitely be on my number one. No, I'm just. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it's not just the graphics. This game was very, very dark. I never got to play the Castlevania series growing up. Hmm. So this was one of the first games I had ever played with a vampiric theme and a very, uh, it it was very, very gothic. Macabre. It wasn't quite macabre, but kind of macabish. Yeah. Yeah, McCorn on the (laughs) cobbish. This game had excellent dialogue. This is, this came out in a era where there were not your Oblivions and your well, name any other series that's recent that has great voice work. It was one of the first pioneering games of its kind that had stellar voice work. You know, thinking about it, you're right. It really did have good voice acting. And it really got me interested in in doing a in doing voices and things, I would, I would slave away just to unlock all the secrets to the games, and so I could watch the uh, bonus features because this game had unlockable content where you could see the recording sessions. Yeah, and I think all the Legacy of Kane games did, and I really admired the the work done on the voice voices of uh, the Legacy of Kane Soul Reaver. Between that and the rest of the game's atmosphere is is just an excellent game. It's also a game that incorporated, I think, one of the most interesting ideas I've seen in a game. You know how where you have the Legend of Zelda series, A Link to the Past game? Yeah. And you can go between the dark world and the light world, and sometimes when you do that it affects the terrain. Mm-hmm and thus adds to the puzzle elements that are found in the game. 
this game was the first to do that, except they variated the idea. They did it in 3D. You would be able to transform from the living world to the to the underworld, and you did it in real time. So, for example, if you were alive and you decide... Because you're basically, you play as an undead vampire. Uh-huh. And if you let go of your corporeal self and you go to the shadow world the whole 3D environment actually morphs in real time around you and that can change rooms it can change pillars and it can change uh, basically the path and, and change everything so if you're ever stuck you just die and basically as you die all of the surrounding architecture morphs and transforms in real time around Raziel to basically change the game environment, and then perhaps you can advance or find secrets and things like that. Yeah. So it was very, very cool in the fact that it was a game where you didn't really play this great hero. You played a very much of an anti-hero mm. who was a fallen dark vampire and... and your sole purpose of the game was revenge, and you know you suck, you suck people's souls in order to, in order to get health, to stay alive. Yeah. And even if you died, you didn't actually die. You just went into an alternate dimension until you were able to feast on enough ghouls to be able to come back to the land of the living. Yeah. And it was just. It was very cool, and you could pick up different things. The The environment was dynamic. If you threw monsters into fires, they would burn alive. You could uh, There would be hooks and things around in the various environments, and you could throw people on it and impale them, or you could rip objects off the wall and throw it, or you could eventually upgrade your character and have psychic powers and... And it was just, and then not to mention the actual Soul Reaver itself, which was this amazing corporeal blade that shot out of Raziel's arm. Yeah. And uh, it had multiple upgrades to that as well. I just enjoyed the themes. There was very much, you know, I'm into I'm into those epic themes, you know. Yeah, and thematically, like, you're right. It was a very unique game, or at least at its time, it was. Now you've got stuff like uh, Blood Rain and all that. But those are cheap imitations. Yeah, yeah. My opinion, that's just jumping on the bandwagon. And it was uh, the mythology of the universe is very, very, very uh, well respected. I think it has a very cult following. Not even cult; it's pretty mainstream. It's yeah. got a. It's got. It still has a pretty good fan base. Pretty large. I played that one, but I I haven't played any of the sequels. The latest game I really liked. I just didn't like the new camera angle. Oh, yeah. Came out for the PlayStation 2. I think it's called Legacy of Kane Defiance. Huh. Which, for some reason, I don't have. I have Legacy of Kane Soul Reaver, and I have Soul Reaver 2, and then there was also the series that started it. There was Blood Rain. Blood Omen. Oh, yeah. Okay. The Blood Omen series with, actually, with Kane. Because Kane is actually the main character. Soul Reaver changed the series up considerably and made Raziel this new main character. But originally, the the Legacy of Cain series is actually about Cain. And I never really got into the Blood Omen half of the series. I kind of was introduced to the series in 
the original Soul Reaver game. I played it on PlayStation at your house. Yeah. And uh, then I decided to buy it for Dreamcast because it had just been released uh, for the Dreamcast. So I bought that version, which is way superior. Yes. Just visually, at least. Anything on the Dreamcast was superior to the PlayStation. Yeah, they actually uh, actually took the time to improve the games and make them better for the hardware. It was great. Yeah. But, I mean, it didn't look as good as a game that was built for Dreamcast, like from the ground up. Uh But it, it was definitely visually better than the PlayStation version. You know what? I went back and played uh, Sonic Adventure recently. And yeah. That game, I gotta say, did not look very good. I mean, yeah. even compared to something like uh, like a Skies of Arcadia or Grandia 2, I mean, even compared to the same games of its time, it uh-huh. didn't look very good, really. Visually, it wasn't one of the most notable games for the system. Yeah. And I think I think we were playing it in an EB, and you decided you didn't want a Dreamcast. Yeah. Because yeah. it... Remember? They had a... I don't know. The demo didn't really do it much for It didn't do me. anything for you. And no. I, I, was, I was telling you at the time that you should hold off, but you were just so insistent. And you were like, oh, this is going to suck. Dreamcast sucks. <laughs> and I'm like, you haven't even seen the other games yet. Why are you making that decision? <laughs> I like to... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> to get you, you really riled like up to... sometimes. It's funny. Oh, and it worked. <laughs> but anyway, well, I mean, let me I ended let me, de- let, let me defend this game really quickly oh, since you brought it up. All right, <laughs> Sonic. Ad- <laughs> Sonic Adventure was a game that was visually fantastic during certain moments in the game, uh-huh. like just when you're browsing through the town and you're trying to find a level to hop in, mm-hmm. it's not that impressive. But when you get into a level and you're actually playing the game uh-huh. instead of wandering around the damn town <laughs> trying to find a fucking level to join, yep. which never happened before in a Sonic, yeah. um, when you're not doing that dumb shit <laughs> and you're actually playing Sonic Adventure, it looks amazing. Like, the speed combined with the enormous things that start coming at you, the, the engine really shines in certain levels. Yeah. And I, it makes it look like an excellent Dreamcast game in certain uh, of the stages. I did kind of like the feeling of speed that it got, even though, I mean, it didn't quite feel as good as the 2D versions of it, but right. uh, I did like that part about it, because when I went back and played it, I, I played through like the first couple levels or whatever. And uh-huh. went to the got on the train and went out there and ran around a little bit, and I did like the the feeling of speed. And it didn't. I mean, it doesn't look that bad, but it just doesn't look that great either. Mm-hmm. So as far as graphics go, visually the second one was a lot better, although it wasn't as strong a game because I never played <clears> that one. Yeah, yeah. Visually, it was an enormous upgrade. What was really cool is there was a bonus. There was a free trial disc that came with Fantasy Star Online. So when I bought that game for Dreamcast, I had a free level of the new Sonic Adventure, and it was like the coolest pack-in I've ever had in my life. Huh. But, uh, yeah, it was a a big visual upgrade, but there are definitely levels, especially there at the end, there are levels in Sonic Adventure that that really display the fact that it's a next-gen game. At least at the time it was. 
Okay. So, well, but anyway, and yeah, enough about Sonic Adventure. It's not even on Salt, my list. <laughs> yeah, no, not on my list either. Nope. Big Sonic fan. Not on my list. Not anywhere on your list. Uh oh. Not anywhere. I'm gonna reveal that already. All right. Well, uh, number five on my list is Tetris for the NES. And I don't think this should shock anyone that this is on one of my top lists. I can't believe it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're done. No, Tetris. Tetris is one of my favorite games. And this, I, I really feel bad about putting this at number five because I think it belongs so much higher on my list. As a matter of fact, then right why before... Why didn't you put it higher? <sighs> I couldn't push any of the others down. That's the problem. <laughs> it's it's one of those cases where this deserves a higher spot, but everything above it deserves it too. So everything above it just cannot move. Cannot move. Cannot. This has to be tough. Yep. So Tetris is number five, and Tetris sucked. No, no. I'm sorry. I'm gonna say this. I'm is, sorry. <laughs> this is the most copied puzzle game really, really... ever. Period. Hands down. Okay. Isn't What's it? That have it to is. Do with does that have any impact on it being your favorite, though? Um, your personal favorite? Well, it shows that it it truly is a great game if it's copied that much. Um, but the one of the main reasons it's on my list is kind of sentimental reasons, because uh, me and my mother used to play this all the time. And no, she's not dead or anything, but I just don't talk to her as much as I used to. And uh, I don't know. It kind of gives me fond memories when I play it. Huh. And That's it's cool. definitely a fun game. I mean, any game where you can listen to cheesy Russian music the entire time <laughs> is good by me. Yeah, <laughs> it did have that going for it. Yep. It's by far one of the greatest games ever as far as what it achieved. Yeah. And I did finally watch that documentary that you suggested. Oh, did you? Uh, from Russia with Love. Yeah, it's freaking good, isn't it? And it is an excellent documentary. Yeah. It was riveting, actually. Yeah, and I they mean, got was... the interviews with... Big important people. Yeah, all the people, even the the CEO, the former CEO, Howard Lincoln of Nintendo, he's on it, and, and Nolan Bushnell's on it, and yeah, he's on it. Yeah, ridiculous interviews and Russian government officials and yeah. Alex Paginov or however you say his name. Yeah, it's a great documentary. So I mean, I have a lot of respect for the game, even though it was never one of my mm-hmm. one of the games I enjoyed. I sure sure didn't really like it that much, but. Uh, this, along with, like, Super Mario Brothers, really kicked the industry back into motion. I mean, this was a oh, yeah. big game when it came out. It was huge. This thing was selling computers, sure. selling video game systems, everything. And I like what they said about how they were marketing it as, like, because so, it was, like, right after the Cold War or during the Cold War or something. And yeah. they were saying it was, mm-hmm. like, forbidden and all these these weird things. Yeah, it was a it was piece Russian. of a mysterious Russian culture. yeah. It was just so cool way to market. So it. mysterious to people, they wanted to see what it was about. Yeah, very, very, very great marketing scheme behind that game. Absolutely. And it really, really took off after Nintendo craftily got a hold of the rights, <laughs> and yeah. uh, very much Gestapo tactics got a hold of the rights and was able to uh, put it on their handheld. Was was uh, selling it with a copy of a. Uh, the the brand new Game Boy. If you yep. bought your Game Boy, you had Tetris portable Tetris. Do you know how many copies that sold? I do not. How many? It's enormous. Thirty million copies of Tetris for the Game Boy. Just the Game Boy version. <laughs> Just the Game Boy version. 
Can oh you imagine how many the game has sold, period, for all platforms? Unbelievably. Uh, the guy I'm, that made it should be uh, yeah. a Bill Gates. He should be somewhere but in the software industry. <laughs> instead, I mean, he is right now. He has a gig. but Yeah, but it's he, not He nearly is not a, wealthy. No, and it's not nearly I as mean, big a gig as it should be. No, uh, absolutely not. Although, I'm going to say it, this isn't really the kind of game that gets you a big gig, I think. Probably Even if not. he had gotten all credit for it. Because this is, in all, with all due respect, it's a PopCap game by today's standards. I mean, it's something you'd see on Macromedia.com or something. Right, yeah. But at the time, it's, there was nothing like it. It's easily copied today, but not back then. No. And the guy basically, he invented a genre type. I mean, this was a puzzle game unlike any other before it. Yeah. And, and most of that was due to the fact that it couldn't be done before he did it. Yeah. Like, he did it right when it was possible. Absolutely. Very good game. Yep. Excellent. Even though I don't like it. Screw anyway. you. <laughs> it's, a, it's a very great game, I'll admit that. Yeah. Okay, number five on my list is nothing at all remotely close to anything like <laughs> Tetris. It's columns for the Game Gear. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's actually uh, Dr. Mario. Oh, Jesus. No, <laughs> no, it has nothing to do with puzzles. What? Well, no. Uh-uh. <laughs> okay. What is your number five? Number five for me is uh, Knights of the Old Republic. Ah, ha, ha, ha. great game. Oh, my God. Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic. And I'm talking about the Xbox version as I have not played the PC version. Yeah. This is the game that made me buy an Xbox. Wow. I did not own an Xbox. I was not going to own an Xbox. And this is the only game I've ever played and beat on the Xbox. Hmm. I mean, I have Halo, didn't like it. Yeah. You know, send me hate for that, whatever. I'm not a fan either. So Dual analog sticks. So. <laughs> Screw that. Xbox's best game was Knights of the Old Republic, hands down. Hmm. It's a bold and statement. The, that is the... Uh, well, I'm making it. My bold right. balls are out there. They'll chop them off. Better watch out. Yeah, go ahead. I'll, I'll deflect it with my level 40 lightsaber skills. <laughs> <laughs> Dual wielding. You only get to level 20 in that game. But anyway, it was uh, not enough really can be said about that achievement. But, you know, I'm just not I'm not going to say a lot about it because I'm pretty sure the listeners know about this game. Yeah, it's fairly modern. So It's not very obscure as opposed to maybe a few others that I have on my list. Uh-huh. You know, Legacy of Cain probably needed a lot more excusing. Yeah. <laughs> or at least explaining, I yeah, should say. Yeah. And um, I don't think really this game needs much explaining. The characters, hmm. the freedom to go to different planets, the plot, the twists. The, yeah, uh, that was the big thing for me with this game, was the, the plot dialogue. Everything was di- Everything was voiced. Yeah. You had uh, hundreds of hours of dialogue in the game, and various races, the graphics, the lip syncing, the characters were synced to their oh man, the, the, the sense of power, the ability to make moral decisions and feel, <laughs> f- 
feel like you actually did those actions. Yeah. Feel shame if you did something wrong. It did have a good sense of giving you consequences. Oh, yeah. It was excellent in that regard. You could change the fate of planets and eventually the universe. You could go all Sith and and be this guy with fire coming up from your boots. Or you could go all light side and have holy light coming down upon you as you have this very self-righteous stance. You could, you know... Which one did you do first? Light or dark? I I did all dark. Oh, really? It was really hard for me to decide that because the game, every time I was like, yeah, I want to be a powerful Sith and shoot lightning and suck people's life (laughs) energy out, be really powerful and mean and feared. But as I did it, the game made you feel like this rotten, filthy asshole. (laughs) And like all your partners, unless you actually had a party with like some of the more seedier guys, which I eventually had, because I didn't want to, yeah, yeah, I didn't want to hear it constantly. I mean, the game made you feel like scum. Yeah. I mean, okay, I could have cured a hundred people and not sold their fucking antidote to the to the hut slime crime lord. <laughs> yeah. You know, sure I couldn't have done that, but do you really really have to make me feel like the asshole I am for for doing it? <laughs> that was the and, great and part. And the game about said it. the game said yes, yes I do. Yeah. And uh it's awesome. I'm going to. <laughs> and it would really it would really make you think about your your impact, everything you did had a real impact on the game universe. Yeah. It was really awesome, and you know, I just, we could do a whole podcast on this game. Probably so. But uh, anyway, that's my number five. All right. Well, I guess I'll go on to my number four. This is a game that I'm absolutely sure that you're familiar with, because I've played it with you a lot. It is Ooh. GoldenEye 007 from oh, Nintendo 64. Yes. <laughs> oh boy. God. That's all I have to say to you. <laughs> and, <laughs> and the thoughts come flooding back. Uh-huh. We how many times have we played this? How many hours do you think? Thousands. Yeah, hundreds of hours I would say. At yeah. Least. Yeah, hundreds of hours, yes. At least. And there's something about this game I really can't honestly pinpoint it. The controls are tight. The universe is familiar it's a bond game it's cool yeah but there's something more than the sum of its parts that that just makes you always want to play this game or at least me i would play it right now absolutely yeah okay it's so fun i want to go ahead and play power weapons on the stack and license to kill mode and i want to <laughs> shoot you with the fucking shotgun <laughs> the as rcp90 as you try and roll me down with the rcp90 yeah Oh, man. Yeah, we told the listeners stellar. about that story, didn't we? Yeah, we did. Yeah, yeah, we did. And yeah. It's, cool. it's my favorite game moment. <laughs> and despite that story, I still love this game. Probably because of that story, I love the game. <laughs> <laughs> because of that story, this game is not higher on my list. No, I'm kidding. Oh, wow. That, that didn't play any That history. actually is really weird because it might explain something that's going to happen later on this segment. What are you talking about? That moment probably defines what what actually ended up happening with that game on both of our lists. You Cause think? It, aren't you on number four? Yeah. Okay, that's that's hysterical then. Okay, well, I'll, I'm waiting. I'm kind of uh, interested now. Anyway, 
there's just something about this game that always makes me come back for more. And I, you know what it is? I think really it's the camaraderie. Because to play this game multiplayer, you have to be in the same room, and you have to be talking smack, and you have to be putting down headshots and laughing at people. And yeah. it's just so much fun. That makes it, you know, it, it really, really does. does. And I think Nintendo knows that, and they've finally gone back to that dynamic with the Wii. Uh-huh. They want to get ever. They want to get four people on a couch again, and they want to get them all playing a game that's really stellar. Yep. And they want them to have a great time with it. And I really look forward to what they do in the future. It'd be excellent to have a true sequel to Goldeneye on the Wii. I'm yeah. probably not going to happen with all the license bullshit. Mm-hmm. But uh, hopefully they do something similar because that's just uh, it's one of the greatest party games of all time. Absolutely. Um, Four-player Goldeneye in the stack when you're... <laughs> especially if you're one of us, you know, and you're really better than your friends. Yeah, yeah. You know, everybody can relate to having been better at something at some point in their life than the rest of their buddies at the time. Yeah. And to play that and own your buddies is, it's a great feeling and it can only be (laughs) captured in the living room on the couch with three, four other people. Yeah, yeah. Goldeneye was great that way. It was, uh, I mean, we created rules that that we never had before. Like the the rule that the rule I remember in the game was uh, uh-huh. you cannot cannot say anything until everyone's dead. Absolutely, that was what we always said. <laughs> That's a great rule. Who came up with that? Was that you? I, I it was collective. It was all of us. It was me, you, it my just brother, seemed, Arthur, everybody. Yeah, it made sense. We just all. Agreed to it, and then yeah. basically explain to them how that worked. All right. It... Basically, when we get together and play this game, we talk so much shit you would not believe it. The things that come uh. out of our mouths are truly legendary. Is <laughs> <laughs> the only way to describe it. And there's there are occasions when you'll kill someone, and you're playing the four player game. You'll kill someone and. You'll begin to smack talk, you'll start, you'll open your mouth to say something great, and instantly you die. Yeah. Someone else will come behind you and kill you. So, our philosophy was, never say anything until everyone is dead. Until (laughs) all four screens, or all three other screens, are flashing press start. Then, then you unleash the most heinous torrent of obscenities you've ever seen, or heard. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's it's truly amazing. You have to be there to understand. Yeah, but those are great, oh, great man. times. That's but that was the rule. That was you can't say anything until everybody's dead. But oh, when they're dead, then you really let them have it. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. Because then you can speak to everyone. You don't even have to speak individually. Yeah, you're you, the only one. It's as if you're dancing on the corpses <laughs> of all your enemies. <laughs> I mean, what are you going to say? Imagine imagine three people in your life right now you hate the most, <laughs> and they're all dead with broken necks, and as they're breathing their dying breath, you're dancing on top of their bodies. <laughs> what would come out of your mouth? Oh, I mean, boy. that's what that's what came out of our mouths. Yeah. Whatever that would be, we said it. Whatever you can think of, we said yeah, it. We've said it and more. Because at that moment, you are invincible, literally. There is nothing in the game that can kill you. You, you cannot be touched. You are the deity of Goldeneye at that time. <laughs> For just a second, a split oh, second. Yeah. And when everyone's back, you have to shut your damn mouth. When even you, one person is back, because then at that moment person. you can die. Yeah, at one one person respawns and that's it for you. 
<laughs> yeah, so that's one of my fondest memories is that rule. And, you know, yeah. to be honest, I have to say that the tournament was a fond memory, even though it worked out badly for me. It was yeah. still fun, and it's fun to this day to even talk about it. So i got to say that even that kind of bumps it up on my list a little bit. Yeah, because we never really did. I mean, we didn't do tournaments of that caliber on no. really anything anything else since. Not even close to that Or even caliber. before. Yeah. I mean, we recorded that with a VCR. We figured out how to do that just to record GoldenEye tournament. Yeah, and we had so many people there involved. I yeah. Mean, people I don't see anymore. Yeah. And uh, it, was enor- it, was, it was a big, huge thing back in the day of the day. Yeah. Know? So that's my number four. It's a great game. It's a great choice. I'm sure it's on your list somewhere. It's definitely on my list, but uh, we'll get to that eventually. <laughs> oh, really? Yep. It's up there, huh? It's up there. Woo! Uh, number four is Fantasy Star Online. Wow. A lot of people hate this game. What? Yeah. Ooh! Tell me who, and <laughs> I will hunt them down. A lot of people hate this game. Who are these fucks that hate this game? Have they ever played Fantasy Star Online on the Dreamcast back when you didn't have to pay to play it? Probably so. Back when it came out? Probably so. It wasn't very well reviewed. I Frankly, I'm shocked that this is on your list. Actually, I know you, so I'm not shocked, but I'm shocked (laughs) that this would be on a favorite game list. Well, then you need to be shocked. Okay. Fantasy Star Online changed my opinion of online gaming. It really, really sparked my imagination. I don't know why. It was very anime-like, and it was a mixture of fantasy and Mm sci-fi. I really like sci-fi, and you know I like fantasy. (laughs) Of course. I'm also a pretty big anime enthusiast. And the characters in this game now, now mind you, earlier we were discussing before the show, um, Blizzard Entertainment. Yeah, yeah. And their various series, and you said that you really had enjoyed Diablo two. Yeah. Well, back in the day when Diablo two came out, I did not have a PC, mm-hmm. and I was not able to enjoy the online aspect of that game. It's a shame. But. Very shortly after that time, I believe, it was when Fantasy Star Online came out for Dreamcast. And it wasn't 2D sprites like Diablo. It was full-blown 3D. It was more sci-fi, which I like better. And it was very much in the vein of Diablo. You basically had characters. You went to preset dungeons. You had a team of four people. And you had various races and classes. And you... You fought, you leveled up, you got more powerful, you got more spells, you got more weapons, you could level up your weapons, you could uh, get various items that would make you more powerful. And this had a very awesome feature in it that is not in many dungeon crawlers. In Fantasy Star Online, you had a, a mechanical pet that would hover by your side, huh. and it was called a mag. And basically, you were you would feed this pet different things, kind of like a hunter would feed a pet in the world of Warcraft. The intestines of your enemies? 
Except, yeah, as you fed them the intestines of your enemy. No, <laughs> it wasn't the intestine. It was like parts. Of, it was not intestines anyway. <laughs> as you were feeding them, they would not just be sustained and like you, but they would transform and morph into into different shapes. There what? was even you could have a Sonic the Hedgehog hover by you. What are you by talking your about? Are you not listening to me, Fantasy I, Star Online? I am absolutely listening. I just okay. You have a you robot. Com- well, let your me robot explain. changes into stuff. It transforms as you feed it. If you feed it combinations of certain things, oh. it will evolve in. And it will evolve into different shapes. Weird. And as it evolves, it gains different powers. Hmm. As it evolves up, it might randomly make you invincible before you fight a boss. Or it might randomly boost everybody in the party's strength or their magic. Or it might randomly do something else. I had mine evolved into a very satanic-looking head that had horns on it. (laughs) And every time we went into a boss fight, it would either make me invincible or it would boost the party's strength. And it was just really, really awesome. Now, there were people who found the right combinations in order to make their mag transform into, like, a Dreamcast. <laughs> what? And you could have a Dreamcast floating by your character as you play the game. That sounds absolutely insane. It was. It's kind of cool, but... It was crazy, but it was really cool. A Dreamcast hovering next to you while you're fighting a boss. And, yeah. That makes you and invincible. You're fr- right. Bizarre. And you're familiar with Sonic Adventure, right? Well, yeah. Obviously, we just <laughs> we talked, just about, talked it. about it. Well, do you remember the little creatures in that game called KO? Yeah, yeah. Like Chaos Creatures, yep. little KO. You could also morph your mag into a KO and have huh. it hover by your character's head. Who made this game? Sega? Uh, Sonic Team. Oh, okay. Well, that makes the sense. The Sonic then. Team. Yeah. Gotcha, because they could do that. They could put the Dreamcast and Sonic in there. Yeah, this was Sega First Party back in the day. I mean, the new Fantasy Star universe, as I understand, sucks my ass. <laughs> That's what I've heard, yeah. And uh, I'm real disappointed that now Sega does nothing but develops software. Shit. And the latest Sonic, and the, lati- the latest fucking Sonic, for God's sakes, for, for Xbox 360, <laughs> sucks my fucking dick off. <laughs> right and off. Right off. Right Right off. <laughs> It's not even. It's not even dangling. It's off. Like a band. And the new Fantasy Star Online universe sucks. It's basically the same thing except with higher res textures and no improvement at all. It's just a sad, sad story. Mm-hmm. Which at the time would have been great, but now is severely lacking compared to other games. Yeah, exactly. Bear in mind, my list is my favorites, taking into consideration the time that they were released. Yeah, yeah, sure. So Fantasy Star Online, if, if it came out today, it wouldn't be nearly as stellar by comparison to some of the other games that are now available. Yeah. However, back in the day, when you didn't have a console that could go online and play a, a role-playing game massively online with other people, and well, it wasn't an MMO, but it was a dungeon crawler, and you could go on board and talk with, like, hundreds of other people at a time yeah. should only actually go and adventure with three other people. Hmm. 
So it wasn't really a true MMO. It was more of a of a dungeon crawler game. Yeah. But to be able to do that on your console with the level of graphics and the unique style of Fantasy Star Online at the time, mm-hmm. plus the rich history and story elements that linked with the previous Fantasy Star games on other Sega systems yeah. of yesteryear, it just all compiled to make this one of my favorite games ever. And that was one of the first games that you could really go online with with a console, wasn't it? Yeah. Like, one one of the the first first. mainstream games, anyway. And it was uh, definitely the first in its genre that you could do on a console. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's just a... It's a... Not only was it groundbreaking in all those ways, but personally, I played this game more than any other Dreamcast game as far as hours. Yeah. And it just had me hooked, and it really had me addicted, and... I've never felt more, you know, addicted to a game, really. Even World of Warcraft, even though I've played it more, I really enjoyed playing Fantasy Star Online more than, than <laughs> WoW, even. <laughs> wow, that's pretty amazing. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, if you don't have any more to say about that, I guess I'll move into my number three. Yeah, that's it for me and PSO. All right. Well, number three on my list is another Dreamcast game, and you can probably guess what it is. Let me see. Grandia 2. Yep. The only other Dreamcast, or the only Dreamcast game on my list. Uh, This is my favorite RPG ever, hands down. Aren't you being a little presumptuous? Because you really liked Final Fantasy VII. I did. I'll tell you, I loved the story of Final Fantasy VII. Yep. It was great. And when, what's her name, Eris died, it yep. blew me away. But I gotta say, I like this game better overall. Why is it so good? Because I have not actually played this game yet. I really, really want to, and I probably will pretty soon, but I have yeah. not played it. Well, I actually I th- read a review on it, said that the first one's better. You know, I've heard that too, but I never played it, so I wouldn't know. I'd probably be blown away if I played the first one. <laughs> so that's uh, number number three, three on yeah, your list on my list number three and I'll tell you why because not only is this a great looking game and at the time you probably would have yeah you probably would have shit your pants if you saw these graphics because these graphics were pretty damn amazing back in the day and also aside from the graphics the combat system in this game was really cool because it was one of the first games that I know of anyway where you could really move around while fighting. Yeah. Although, I guess Parasite Eve did that way before and stuff like that. But you couldn't really move, like, freely. You could just move to different positions, like, oh. on the board. So it was kind of like that. Did have any kind of, like, real strategic uh, advantage? I mean, was there a real, an in-game reason? Yeah, yeah, because if you got into a certain position on a certain guy and did a certain move, like, if they were in an offensive position when you did it, from a certain direction, you would counterattack them or whatever. Yeah. And you could get, like, double hits or critical hits easier or things like that. So it was kind of a more strategic uh, battle system, too, which I liked. That's cool. That does sound cool. And then, I mean, the story, eh, the story was pretty good. It was some dude named Ryudo, I think. And he had, like, this pet bird, and he was, like, an outcast or whatever, and... And he was like a teenager, which I guess I identified with him or something. 
and uh, he you had to go find these like the body parts of some kind of god or something. And That's kind of interesting. Yeah, and it ended up taking you, which I thought was really cool. It ended up taking you to the moon, like the planet's moon. It wasn't our moon, but it was like the planet's moon. Right, because it's a different. Yeah, planet. and it was like. And the god was, like, destroying it or something, and it was falling to pieces while you were fighting him. It was really cool. That's interesting. That's kind of neat. Yeah, and the voice acting was really good, too. I enjoyed that a lot. There were voices in the game? Yeah. Yep. Did every ounce of the dialogue have voiceovers or just certain sentences? I can't really remember. It It might have just been certain areas where they had the dialogue and voiceovers. I was going to say, the Dreamcast discs were one gigabyte, but still. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they even called them something, didn't they? GD discs? Yeah. Yeah. Was it was that what they called them? I'm pretty sure. Gig discs? Yeah, giga discs or something like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but I don't know. I, I just really, really enjoyed this game. It was the most fun I've had with an RPG. And I sat down and pretty much played it straight through, I mean, in a couple days. Because it's like a 30-hour game, maybe. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I was addicted to it for those 30 hours. So you did finish the game? Oh, yeah. yeah. It's one of the few RPGs that I've actually finished all the way through. I like were, to... there, were there hard boss encounters there at the end? Um, Anything challenging? You know, not, challenging? not really that tough, no. I don't know. It was just... It was a lot of fun. Yeah. I really liked Skies of Arcadia back in that time period for Dreamcast. Yeah, well, this was supposed to be, like, the game that was going to rule the Dreamcast, but then Skies of Arcadia came out and kind of took its thunder, so... Yeah, Skies of Arcadia was also an excellent role-playing game. Yeah. And in addition to that, they did not sell out, I don't think, at least not for a while. There were subsequent Skies of Arcadia games on other systems. Yeah. But originally, Grandia 2 was supposed to be a Dreamcast exclusive. And it was at first, <laughs> but then yeah. very... I think it was a year later that it sold out to Sony and the PlayStation 2. Yeah, yeah. I was real sensitive, a lot more sensitive than, I'm at, than I am today about a exclusive game going to another system. Yeah. Because that happens a lot today, and... Right now, I'm kind of like a lover of all systems. Yeah, I don't really care anymore. But I, mean, I really did back then. Really? I did back then, yeah. Hmm. I don't so think I, I mean, really ever did. As long as I can play it. So what ended up happening was, I think Skies of Arcadia was a DC exclusive for a lot longer. Yeah. Do they have it out now for another platform? Uh, the original, I believe, eventually ended up on GameCube. Really? Yeah. All right, what about your number three? Well, it's funny. Number three on my list is a game that we've already mentioned this evening. <laughs> Uh-oh, I know what it is. What do you think it is? It's Goldeneye. Yes, indeed. <laughs> yep. Number three on my top favorite games of all time is none other than Goldeneye for the Nintendo 64. This is our first match on our top seven. Yep. And it's kind of funny that it, it ranks one level higher <laughs> on my list than it does yours. Yep. You know what? I had it a little bit higher until tonight, and I bumped it down. 
That's funny. I wonder if my crushing defeat all those years ago <laughs> has actually influenced that decision just tonight. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> now I know it did, for sure. <laughs> Fuck you, buddy. Fuck you. No, no, of course not. I'm a very level-headed person. I would never let emotions get in the way of a <laughs> top seven list. Don't lie to the listeners until all of them are dead. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, that's my number three. We've really gone on about the game, so I'm not going to really say much more. Okay, we talked about it when I yeah. did it. And I, I really, one of my fondest memories is is uh, playing it, a, of course, together in a group and the tournaments that we had. And yeah. I think just to add a little bit to it, I've never quite felt as good at any other game in multiplayer in my life. Huh, really? as I felt in my prime playing Goldeneye. You know, I think about it, and when I look back, yeah, we were good, but were we really that good? I mean, every you hear stories of everybody who said, oh, man, our group was so freaking awesome at this game, we could have taken the world by storm. And I'm thinking, yeah, right, because I was freaking good. And you yeah. you wonder if you're really that good. But who I knows, swear, maybe we I have were. never been so in tune with the game. When I was really playing that game, yeah, there was a purpose to every action, and I was making actions every millisecond. Yeah. So I really think we were really awesome. I just loved our, our little standoffs that we'd have. Like, you remember how we got so good with, like, the grenade launchers that, uh, like, I could duck down in the grenade launcher room in the stack... And fire a grenade all the way out across the middle, the <laughs> large room in the middle, to the other side of the level. Yeah, it was that was insane. It, it was actually amazing. you were a better banker than I was. You could always get it farther. <laughs> I don't know because I probably I practiced it more because I had the game and you didn't. Yeah. You know, right. I would have hate to to have seen how good you would have been if you actually owned the game. Yeah, if I actually had it because it uh, you were my caliber easily. I mean, we were both neck and neck, and you didn't even own the freaking game. I know. That was crazy. Yeah, pretty amazing. But you did bank it further. You you had some trick with the with the wall there. <laughs> you could just, you could get it an insanely, you were deadly. If you were at that spot with that weapon, <laughs> you know, that was the cool thing about GoldenEye 2. You could, in our group at least, it was fair game to look at the other person's screen. Yeah, you kind of have to. Yeah, you almost have to, so we early on decided that, yeah, that's fine. Go ahead and make it a part of your strategy and look <laughs> at my screen as much as you fucking want. Yeah. So we agreed to that, and if I ever saw you planted down low in that corner, <laughs> I wasn't going near the middle of that room. Yeah, yeah. No Good way. idea. <laughs> All right. Well, then uh, I guess that's oh, it. Golden about eye. Golden eye. Number two on my list. And people are people are probably going to give me shit for my number one and two. You know, I hope not, because I hope I agree with you, but... Yeah, I don't... I no, don't, I may give you shit, too. You'll probably give me some shit, because they're so similar, it's ridiculous. Uh, number two is Half-Life for the PC. Oh. And I, I'll tell you, I don't think Ow. anybody would disagree that this should be on a top list. Yeah, I can't say that I do, really, in the end. Yeah, because this game, I mean, it changed FPS afterwards. A lot of games were modeled around the Half-Life style. 
it really had a, an excellent story. It was one of the first games to really tell a story while you were actually playing. Yeah. Not not in a separate cutscene. It didn't detach you from the experience. Yeah. Things. The world was alive. And Absolutely. things were just fucking going on, and you just happened to stumble upon them, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, that was that was so great. So, yeah, this is this is one of my favorite games. It's You're not getting any shit from me on this one. I mean, it's no. not my, it's not on my list, but I I have no problem with it being on a list. The reason it's on my list is because not only was it a great game, but this is one of the first games that I played when I started going to LAN parties. Yeah. Like this game really defined my experience at LAN parties. It was what we played primarily, this and Jedi Knights, but Jedi Knight was nothing compared to this one. No way. It took a backseat every time. People would play a few matches, but then they'd quickly go back to, hey, you want to play some more multiplayer Half-Life? Yeah. yeah. Let's do it. Yeah, Half-Life just destroyed anything else that was out at the time, and Unreal couldn't touch it. Quake, none of that. Not to mention the mods, obviously. The subsequent oh, Team Fortress and the <laughs> Counter Strike. Obviously, Counter Strike, which is one of the biggest online games to this day. It is. It's the biggest FPS game ever. Really? Yep. I'm surprised that. I mean, it does have competition. Like the Battlefield series is big. Yeah, Unreal but it's is going to make a comeback. But it's like three to one. It's it's ridiculous how popular it is. But not to mention, okay, Half Life. It was it was innovative in the storytelling aspect, but it also had amazing graphics when it came out. Oh uh, th- yeah, it looked beautiful, beautiful. Wasn't it the modded Quake Two engine? I think it was. It might be. I think they did the Quake Two engine, then they just modded it out a, a ton. Yeah, I don't think Valve had an engine before they went. Uh, yeah, I think they leased source. the engine. Yeah, the Maybe source so. is basically just for the physics. But it looked much better than Quake 2. Quake 2 was a piece of crap compared to this. Oh, I know. It blew it away. The only thing I liked in Quake 2 was the flies around the bodies when you killed them. Yeah, that was kind of <laughs> neat. But they were little, like, dots. Yeah, they were just pixels. And and that was already... I mean, Unreal was out then, and they yeah. had actual... They had insects in that game flying around, but they actually had wings. And yeah. They were like dragonflies. And Unreal was so much better looking. Yeah, Unreal was really looked better than Half-Life, I'd say, but yeah. it didn't play nearly as well. It wasn't it was not nearly as fun a game as Half-Life even though yeah. it did look better. And Half-Life had some really unique weapons too, like the gluon gun, the big oh, blue yeah. stream of death. <laughs> oh yeah, uh-huh. Oh my god, <laughs> when you got that in multiplayer, you were deadly. <laughs> yep, exactly. This giant backpack with a... Vacuum <laughs> hose is what it sounded like. Yep. And you nothing could touch splatter you. splatter people. Yeah, you'd run around and people would spawn randomly and you'd have that gun and you'd just destroy people. You'd get like 15 kills before anyone could even touch you. Yeah, all you'd have to do is just lay on them for a few seconds, yeah. and they would just totally get out. <laughs> yep. Explode everywhere. That was one of my favorite weapons. Excellent game. I really liked the heat-seeking rocket launcher as well. Yeah. The multiplayer. Yeah. And they had maps that were fantastic. Like, what was the name of the map where 
you had you could run to a base yeah. and press the button and all of the doors would close. It was and and then they would do like there would be a flyover and then everyone who was not in the base would get killed. <laughs> yeah. Actually there was a spot you could stand to not be killed out there. Really? Yep, I've done it a couple times. Where? I don't I don't remember, but there was a spot where you could stand Damn. and not be killed outside. Oh, I have to research that. <laughs> as many hours as I played that map, yeah. I had no idea. I think it was called X-Fire, wasn't it? Yeah, I think that's it. X-Fire yeah. or Crossfire? Well, yeah, there were X-Fire. I don't think it was X-Fire, was it? I think so. I don't know. X-Fire was a different one. Who knows? All I know is that's anyway, the one we played most. Yeah. Such a great game. And the, and the zoom-in crossbow with the one-hit kills. Yeah, I was going to say, that's my absolute favorite, we- favorite weapon. crossbow. Because I always like being a sniper in in shooting games. Mm-hmm. So, oh, Half-Life. Yep. Excellent game. Good choice. Great game. Okie dokie. Well, my number two favorite game of all time is uh, not a game with multiplayer elements. Very, very single-player only. Metal Gear Solid for PlayStation. That's my number two. I know. You uh, loved this game. Great voice acting, excellent PlayStation graphics. Of course, since I'm a whore (laughs) with the graphics. But uh, unforgettable characters, highly emotional story. Yeah. Um, One of the few games that actually made me tear up. Yeah. Uh, The first game that ever did that to me. Really? Uh-huh. Did Final Fantasy VII come out before or after that? It came remember. out before that game because uh, Metal Gear Solid came out in 98. Hmm. And Final Fantasy VII came out in 97. Hmm. So Metal Gear right. came out later. I did not cry in, in, uh, <laughs> well, in Final Fantasy VII. I didn't cry. It uh, uh, hit me I the was hardest. Almost, I was pretty much driven to tears during a certain sequence in Metal Gear Solid where this where this chick you've been getting to know it also involves a girl yeah but uh, a girl that's very tomboy and very you know you know very much one of the guys in the game and snakes getting to know her and it's very, she's very mysterious she's popping in and out of the plot and it's just one sequence and uh, if if you're a listener out there you can probably uh, if I if I say the name Sniper Wolf, yep, I knew what you're talking about. You'll probably know which part I'm talking about. And just with the gadgets, I mean, this game you could knock on walls and <laughs> get the attention of guards. Yep. Um, you could you could leave s- snow tracks and they would follow your tracks. You could. <laughs> Come up behind them and snap their neck and hide their body. You can hide in boxes. Um, <laughs> hide in boxes and look out the little box holes and yeah. and the 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 design and the characters and the story just was uh, all interwoven to make one of the most unique and amazing gaming experiences I will ever have, probably in my entire existence. Hmm. Uh, blew me away, and as I think about it, the game still blows me away. And I should probably replay it pretty soon. Uh, just to just to get that old feeling back again. 
It, I mean, this wow. game had so much detail. The attention to detail was fantastic and humorous. Yeah. For example, Snake had in his inventory a pack of cigarettes. <laughs> yeah. You light them up, and you get a call from the chief saying, Hey, Snake, you know cigarettes are bad for your health. And, <laughs> oh, my God, Snake, what are you doing smoking cigarettes? That's so stupid. <laughs> and then Snake would do something typical like, Oh, fuck off, Meryl. You know, or something crazy like yeah. that. And you'd be like, man, he's a badass. But then his health would blink, and his health would go down, and it would literally be killing him as you're playing the game with smokes in your mouth. That's pretty awesome. It's hysterically awesome. And and the fights, like, who could forget the ninja in, this, in the stealth suit? And who could forget fighting a, a, a Apache helicopter and scaling down a building as you're being shot at? Bombs are blowing up. And I certainly know you couldn't forget uh, fighting what's his name, Mantis, Psycho Mantis. Oh, Psycho Mantis. <laughs> yeah. We One all heard you tell that story. Yeah. <laughs> no need to go over that ground again, but wow. <laughs> One yeah. gaming moment I'll never forget. One yep. of the in, I'm going to continue to boast about that until the end of my days. Yeah, I mean, yeah. the challenge is still on the floor. Anyone who wants to, go ahead and try to beat Psycho Mantis with the PlayStation DualShock and Control Port 1. You're, I dare you. You're boasting about how dumb you are. That's not a good thing okay, to boast about. Okay, it was really dumb not to figure <laughs> out the fact that I'm not supposed to even play the game like that. Yeah. But damn it, even though I was stupid, I did it and I beat it that way. Who would have thought, really? I mean, come on. As far as I knew, if you unplug the controller from the control port, then you'd have to reset the game before it could calibrate again. <laughs> you know, I didn't know. Yeah. You know, one thing I thought was cool about that game is when you were zoomed in sniping, like yeah. you would you would be breathing and your crosshair would be drifting and then you could like hold your breath. Yeah, and steady it up. That was pretty cool. And you could, or, or even you drugs. Used, yeah, yeah, you use little drugs to to steady your hands. That was cool. Calm your nerves. Yeah, so you could you could aim with the zoom e- easier. Yep. Great attention to detail. Excellent story. Very emotional game. Great graphics. Tons of great characters and dialogue. What can you say? Yeah, it did have really good characters. Great action adventure game. And my number two favorite. Of all time. Awesome. I don't think you'll get many arguments there. It's a good game. We'll see what people think about my number one here, though. Alright, should we do a drum roll? What are we supposed to do here? I oh, we gotta, we gotta do something grand. Here okay. we go. Here it is. My number one all-time favorite game. Yes! Okay, what is it? <laughs> it's very closely related to Half-Life, and it's for the PC. Counter-Strike. Oh, you gotta be kidding me. I'm not kidding you. They are separate games. I don't want to hear any it's a mod bullshit. It is a mod, but they're, it's a retail package, so... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, I yeah. Knew, I, knew, I knew that, but I mean, it's... They play it competitively. I don't want to hear any shit. Yeah, so why is it your number one, though? Because I have to say I've spent hundreds, if not thousands, of hours playing this game. No, definitely, thousands of hours. Probably thousands. Yeah, because for a couple of years I played it nonstop every day after work until 2 in the morning. So, yep. definitely thousands of hours. And this is the best FPS game ever. 
<laughs> I'm gonna say it right now. Yeah, wow. <laughs> yeah, well, it's definitely the most popular. Yeah, um, well, th- no. Fuck Quake, fuck Unreal, fuck all that uh, stuff. Fuck Doom and Quake fuck and Doom, Unreal and Battlefield. Fuck Battlefield. Fuck it all. Oh, Jesus. Counter-Strike takes the cake. I'll tell you why I like it so much compared to, like, Quake or Unreal or something. It was yeah. the first game to have realistic weapons right. and and have really good realistic spread. And I don't really like energy weapons is my thing. I'm not a big yeah. fan of energy weapons, so forget Quake. Quake never did it for me. Quake 2 was kind of cool, but that's the only one. But Counter-Strike, there was just something about it that made it the most fun FPS game for me to play online. And a big part of that was probably the community. I mean, just like any other game, like GoldenEye or anything else, the multiplayer aspect of it was probably the part that drew me in the most. I played with multiple clans online, and some of our clans were good enough to play competitively, I'd say. The biggest thing about that game is the clan environment. Absolutely. If if you're in a very good group that plays together well, then it's going to be an amazing experience. Now, if you're just like me, I don't have quite that experience like you. Uh I've never even been in a clan in the game. Yeah. So I just just server hop and play a bunch of noobs all the time. Yeah, that's lame. And it's pretty lame. It really is. I'd rather be playing uh, a deathmatch game. What you have to do is basically what I did. You go in, you server hop for a while, find a server where people are relatively cool and nobody is cheating and they if they do they get kicked instantly and you find that server and then you play with those guys for a while and then you eventually get to know them all and form your own clan or join a clan that's that plays there regularly and it really changes the whole entire experience because it's so much more fun to play with a group of buddies and go kick some people's asses than it is just to go server hopping and play with some random strangers in Ice World for a couple minutes. Yeah. It's really not even the same experience, same game. Yeah, I totally believe you. And when you talk about GoldenEye, how you feel being so good at it, this is how I feel about Counter-Strike. I, at one point, was probably good enough to play competitively and maybe not win the tournaments, but at least rank and qualify. Wow. I've I've won a couple tournaments. I have a little medal that I got playing with a, a random pickup team at at a land party I went to in Ohio. And right. this this is the game <laughs> that I drove to Texas to play. I <laughs> I live in Indianapolis and one weekend some clanmates were having a land party in Texas because that's where they all live. Uh-huh. And so Friday afternoon, we're like, you know, let's go to Texas. Screw it. Let's just drive to Texas and play some video games for a couple of days and come back. So <laughs> in the middle of Friday afternoon, we packed up all our gear, drove 17 hours straight through the night, and, <laughs> and ended up getting there sometime Saturday morning and played games nonstop for like two days. And we didn't even sleep when we got there. We didn't sleep on the way there. We didn't sleep when we got there. We just played games for the first day. Wow. It was an insane experience, but it was so did you cool. Sleep before you, did you get any sleep before you drove home? Oh, yeah, yeah. We slept 
like Saturday night, but we played games most of the day. Damn. But <laughs> there's I, there's really nothing like that, and when you're young enough to do that, it's a pretty cool thing. Yeah. Just pick up and go and play games all weekend in a state a thousand miles away. <laughs> yeah, I never did anything that crazy with uh, with lands and stuff, but yeah. Yeah, I never got that into Counter Strike either, but it's a it's a great game. It's a lot of fun, but like I said, I've never even been in a clan yet. So. Yeah, at least not a good one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, we were really good, and I just like the fact that it's so it's really based on tactics and teamwork. Right. It's not necessarily run and gun shooter. You've got to like right. post up and defend your positions and fall back and. All sorts of stuff. It's not like Quake or any of those Unreal Tournament. Yeah, we're either solely Twitch-based, that's it. Yeah, yeah. There's a a total team dynamic there, just like with the Battlefield series, really. Yeah, very true. Cool. Yep, so that's my number Uh, one all-time favorite game. I guess we'll do the same thing for mine. Drum roll, please. Oh, God, here we go. I... Well, our list really diverged there for a while because we went from having some online games on there, and my top two favorites are single player. You're kidding? No, I'm not joking at all. I will, wow! I am not joking. I will not get out of town. Get out of town! I will not get out of town. You will get out of town. I can't believe that because how can a single player game be more fun than multiplayer? Well, that just shows you how sheltered a life I had. <laughs> All right. But I really did. Huh. And, um, I mean, that's one of the reasons Fantasy Star Online is one of my favorites, because it was like, there is gaming with other people? <laughs> and, you know, it was just so fascinating. <laughs> you thought, what are all these plugs <laughs> on this console for? I only need one. So, my number one favorite game of all time is I was a very sheltered, lonely child that used games to escape from my sucky reality. <laughs> I was very wrapped up in a lot of single-player games, which is why most on my list are single-player. few notable notable exceptions. But number one, favorite game of all time. Now, I may get some backlash here. Oh, I even hope so. F- even from you, Jim. Oh, I'm, I'm ready. I'm going to give you a walloping. Um, all right. Number one of my favorite games of all time. I'm sorry, everyone, but my favorite game of all time, everything said and done, all things considered, is Super Mario World. Oh, man, really? Yep. Super Mario World oh. for the for the Super Nintendo Entertainment System. Damn. I don't even know what to say about that. Say you agree. I don't agree, but I oh. I can't entirely disagree either. Obviously, you don't agree because your favorite's not that game. <laughs> well, obviously, but I and mean, it's nowhere to be found on my list. Even you can't really fault me for it. It's it's fucking brilliant. It's it is by far the best Mario game ever made. You think and so? I will, I will it's the most refined. And, I think. Oh, by far, it's oh, it's introduced so many new things. What about Mario it, Three, man? Mario Three is uh, a unfinished, baited oh. piece of shit compared to Mario. World. Oh my God! Yes, sir. I'll say it. Again. <laughs> okay, I agree with you that 
Super Mario World is much more polished than any other Mario game I've ever seen. Yeah. But... Including the new <sighs> Super Mario World, which had 3D graphics on a 2D plane. It was not nearly as responsive. Man, I picked up the controller the other day just to revisit this game. Mm-hmm. I played through about half of the adventure. The puzzles, the scope, the variety, the balance, the new characters, the the bosses, the, the 2D 16-bit visuals of the day that were so revolutionary. It had fucking... It had scaling, for God's sakes. Man. You had bitmaps come at your screen. But anyway... You graphics whore. God. That's just, that's just a minor part of it. It had excellent gameplay, fantastic controls. Man, I thought the better oh bosses were in Mario 3. You had all the Koopas. That's, that's the what you Von had. Ludwigs and... Von Ludwig, he Ludwig von Koopa, by the way. <laughs> yeah, he was in Mario World. What? As well? Oh yeah, all the Koopa kids are in Mario World. They're in Mario Three and World. Okay, all right. But well, they I look remember better in Mario Three. Instead of having a fucking wand and them all doing the same goddamn thing, they all do different shit. <laughs> it's a lot better. Oh god, it's so much better. Huh. All right, I forgot they were in that. I still oh, don't yeah. remember them being in that, and I've played it recently, but... Unbelievable. Weird. Yeah, the same damn kids. And then for some reason, all those cool characters and those multiple Koopa kids turn into one stupid Koopa kid in the fucking <laughs> Mario Sunshine game for Nintendo GameCube. <laughs> wow. What the hell, you know? <laughs> one step Bring forward, back Ludwig von Koopa. <laughs> all I have to say. And the rest of his fucking brats. Yeah. And the girl with the bow on her head. Yeah, and then... I can't remember the other names. Wow. Yeah, I don't remember the names. But, uh... Huh. Best game ever. My favorite game of all time. That's crazy. No, it's not. You're it's, insane. It's, You've lost it. Well, I... It feels good to be nuts, then. <laughs> I get to sit in my fucking padded cell and play Mario World forever... I'm fine. Hey, oh, you've got to defend this. Why? I have is, nothing why to defend. Is, why? Here, here is my defense. Oh, my it defense. better blow me away. It better fucking suck my balls off. No, I'll actually give you a real defense after <laughs> you assault me. But here's my defense before I even hear any shit for this choice. Uh-huh. My defense for this game being my favorite, because I really don't need to defend it because it's my personal damn favorite. True, true. So, you know, who are you to say it's not, because it obviously is. <laughs> Liar. But, <laughs> but my defense for this game being number one is simple. It's the title. Everyone knows this game, and if you've heard of this game and you know it, let me just repeat it into your doubting Thomas ears so that it may cleanse your parched soul. <laughs> Super Mario World. There you have it, my defense. The, the title. It's one of the best games ever, period, and it is, just so happens to be my favorite game of all time. You know... I I totally don't agree with you here. Totally. But oh, it is, like you said, your favorite shit. list. Right. So it is your list and your favorite, and I can't tell you you're wrong, but I can certainly disagree. And I don't understand how you can say that 
Super Mario World is better than Mario You don't 3. know me as a Mario lover? No, 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 no. I figured your favorite would be a Mario game. Okay. But I figured, to be honest, that it would be either Super Mario Bros. 3 or Super Mario 64. Uh, Mario 64, while an excellent game, was not really traditional. Yeah. It was, uh, it was a very revolutionary game in 3D, and it was an excellent 3D action game. Mm-hmm. And it was very much a, a platformer in certain elements of it. But the true platforming experience in the Mario realm is to be had in the 2D Mario games. And when I narrowed it down to that, it was easy to select Mario World as my favorite 2D Mario game. Because it has the most variety, it has the best boss encounters it introduced Yoshi true um, it, it had and multiple Yoshis there were flying Yoshis it had the keys where you could unlock uh, different worlds that would consume you and you could go to the star world and yeah, you, could, you could even change the entire map it had all the switches yeah um, one of the best Bowser fights of all time. Uh, there were so many bonuses and unlockables. The cape with the feather is one of the best mm-hmm. Mario power-ups ever. Yeah. Because not only could you shoot out and fly super fast and high, but afterwards you could literally fly through entire levels if you were skilled enough by blowing up your cape out and continuing to fly as you went. You know, uh, maybe and I just then, don't understand why it's your favorite because there was... You say it was innovative, but I don't think so, really. I mean, the only thing it had that was innovative, really, is Yoshi. He was different than the previous games. Because in the previous games, you had all the flying stuff, you had all the suits, you had all the... You could fly, but it wasn't the same type of flight experience. It wasn't the first time Mario had flown, but it was definitely the, yeah. the most... the By far, the most fun... I guess you could bounce before you could you could bob your little tail around and fly (laughs) up a little bit, bloom, 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 and then you could float down to the ground, bloom, 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 bloom. On this one, you had a fucking cape. You were finally for real. You were finally Super Mario. Yeah, you had a bloody cape, but you weren't flying. Yeah, you were. No, you You were jumping real high and then falling back to the ground, like you said. Well, you have no idea how to fly in the game, apparently. Yeah, you could bounce up and down, I know. Yeah, the flight, the initial flight was awesome, but it was only the takeoff. After that, you could sustain flight indefinitely if you wanted to, if you were good enough. By bouncing up and or down you on the could cape, just, I know. Yeah, or you could just hover down, or you could even come down completely super fast yeah. and smash the ground and like destroy everything around you on the ground. I don't know. I certainly wouldn't say this is better than Super Mario 3. It's um, not only better than Super Mario 3, <laughs> it uh, takes Super Mario 3 and the raccoon Mario in the game, uh-huh. and it pulls the raccoon tail up, and it rapes Mario with the raccoon tail from the backside. <laughs> it's that much better. Damn. That's a lot really, <laughs> Seriously, though, it really is better than Mario 3. Alright, fine. That could be your favorite. See if I care. <laughs> okay. Alright. Uh, I know we had some, it is. some trouble condensing this down to a top 7. And, very, very hard to do. And I think we both came up with some honorable mentions yeah. that are not included in the list. This is a top 7 list. 
But if we had another couple spots, these would have been close. Um, some of mine were not Super Mario World, but Super Mario Brothers 3. Wow, lame. Uh, Super Dodgeball for the Nintendo, and a game probably nobody has heard of and that's listening to this, VGA Planets for the PC. That's a fantastic game. It's freaking awesome. But it didn't make it to my top seven list, so screw it. Alright. Do you have any honorable mentions? Yeah, actually I do. I had I thought of two that were that were really close to getting spots, but ultimately did not. Uh the aforementioned Shamu the Whale. No. <laughs> Shamu the Whale was a great game. I always pronounce <laughs> it was the sequel to Echo the Dolphin, right? <laughs> Yeah. Oh, am I thinking of the wrong Shamu game? Shamu the Dolphin. Am I thinking of yeah, the wrong one? Yeah, I think one? you you actually are. It's a it's a game that's um, created by the person that did the uh, Virtual Fighter a bit. Uh, actually, I pronounced it Shemu. Oh. But uh, the correct pronunciation, in fact, is Shemu. No, it's in fact Shamu. Um, Shamu. Yes, and it was made by shampoo, the maybe. by the Sea World team. Yes. <laughs> anyway, Shemu for the Dreamcast. Yeah. And if you don't know what this game is, I'll spell it for you. S-H-E-M-U-E. Look it up. Buy a Dreamcast. If you don't have one already, you should own one. So you'll you'll need to get that and Shemu and play it, and then you'll know why it's a really good game. But yeah. it didn't end up on my top seven. Another one was, of course, uh, so probably surprised some of the listeners why there wasn't a Zelda. <laughs> yeah. But there wasn't, and uh, it was almost on there. Legend of Zelda Link to the Past, which is my favorite Zelda game. Yeah, as much as I like Zelda, I couldn't, in good conscience, put it on my top list, because it wasn't... It isn't one of my favorite games, one of my top seven. It's not one of my top seven either, but it's damn close. Alright, well that about does it for our top seven list. Yep. Uh, Let's go ahead and move into what we think would make the perfect game. That is a question that's of uh, epic proportions. Yeah, giant topic. It's so hard to decide what would make a perfect game for me, since I've never played a perfect game. I'm sure I can think of elements that I would that would be in it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. basically, the perfect game for me would probably be a game that would evoke certain emotions, since since when it comes down to it, for me. What I get out of a game is is the lasting emotional impact it leaves upon me. Yeah. It's kind of like when you watch a movie. In the end, the sum of your experience isn't the fact that that cameraman really knew where to place the camera in that one shot. Yeah. It's that the ends, the sum of all the parts really emotionally impacted your life. And, or it yeah. changed you in some way. Or it opened your eyes eyes to a new idea yeah and there are various techniques and tools that can help a designer do those things but to honestly be able to have that special stroke of inspiration and achieve it is uh, is something completely different and that's one of the reasons why i'm really i feel proud of my top seven list because Mm -hmm. these were all games that in their certain time period, in their particular day and age, happened to strike me in that kind of a way. Yeah, sure. 
not so much that they're they are perfect, but it certainly did in some way affect me in a profound way. Each and every one of those choices I I I just got through the listing. And yeah. I'm sure the same is true with you. For the most part, yeah. Mine was kind of based on which ones I've had more fun with over the years. Yeah. And uh that I've just particularly enjoyed, not necessarily I I felt a certain thing afterwards, but I've been I was actually thinking about that today, just aside from thinking about the podcast, but I was thinking about as games get longer and you have to split up the experience more to, to actually beat the game and finish it. I'm right. I'm wondering if you can get less of an effect that way. Because like with movies, you can sit through, you can take in the whole thing at once, let it all digest and not have forgotten anything by the time you finish it. So you it has to me it has more of a an impact on you. Yeah. Than like those, a, than a game, than an especially yeah. long game. And a favorite movie, I mean that's shorter, like a 2-hour movie, uh-huh. you tend to watch repeatedly. Yeah, yeah. Like you I mean if it's a favorite movie, you've probably watched it 20 times. Oh yeah. But definitely. I I bet your favorite role-playing game you haven't probably played 20 times. No. I mean there's there's <laughs> certainly people out there that probably have. But by and large, people who have a favorite role-playing game have not repeatedly played it 20 times. Yeah, and I'm just wondering if that has to do with the length. It very much could. A length to the past. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Oh, God. We're we're officially quitting Uh, Power Play. This is the last show. (laughs) I'm sorry. That screwed it all up for everyone. (laughs) Bye-bye. Anyway. Yeah, so experiencing an emotion, I would say, is is the sign of a good a good story in general. I mean, anything—a good book, a good movie, a good game—will always make you feel something at the end. Right. A, a powerful emotion. Yeah, and I think you're right. That's a, probably a key ingredient to a, the perfect game. I think uh, also, and this is something unique to games that you can't get with any other any other media, is. Uh, the ability to to make it dynamic so that it changes every time you play it. Yeah. For instance, like especially with the MMOs now, I mean, that's pretty much the only venue you can do this in, but with MMOs, you can make it a constantly changing experience. It doesn't have to be a static thing, so replay value could be infinite. Right. You could play this game forever. And and a thing is, the thing about that is I do want to be able to beat the game, which is why I don't like MMOs in their current state because you can never beat them. I mean, you just you don't get that sense of accomplishment when you actually finish something to its completion. Well, yeah, not its total completion. No, because you, you can't. I mean, unless you have full but, tier three armor and level well, seventy, whatever. That would just be a personal goal, anyway. Yeah, you didn't there, actually beat anything. But I mean, there are end game bosses, and they they set it up to where it feels like it's such an epic encounter, and when you do actually finish it, Mm -hmm. you do get the same kind of release and rush you feel when you beat uh, an end game. Hmm. Uh, Like, single player game, even. Really? Yeah, it doesn't last like that, because you still have more to do. Yeah, you still have more gold to collect, and and more items to get. Stuff right. like that. But I, I think my ideal game would, would have to be, and I don't know how they do this, so don't ask me, but it would have to be something where I can feel a great sense of accomplishment in beating something and also not have the game end at that point. Have it have it change into something else. Like, I was talking to you about... How is that possible? Well, I was talking to you about a game the other day that I, me and a guy that I worked with had an idea for, 
And it's I'm not going to tell you the name because it's stupid. It's a fake name that we weren't going to use. But the main idea of this game was it, it's kind of a, a sociological experiment because what would happen is you would start out with a game like any other, like a GTA-style game, whatever, with RPG, like heavy RPG influence. Okay. And it was a zombie-based thing. So at some point, a, a dev would come on as a zombie and bite somebody and then and then log off and never come back in. And people would be like, what the hell's happening? There's some weird changes going on on the server. And eventually people would start turning into zombies, and the game would kind of change into that, into like a survival horror type of thing. And there would be a battle between like the humans and the zombies. And at some point, you could kill all the zombies as the humans. You could take out all the zombies and like cleanse the earth of that, that virus, that thing. And then once you do that, I mean, that's kind of like beating the game. That's a huge sense of accomplishment that you've just defeated some other huge power that, <laughs> that wants to kill you. Right, right. <laughs> and then after that, at some point, the game would switch into something. Like there would be a, a world event that would happen that would change something. Just like when the dev came in and bit somebody, there would be like maybe a nuclear war that just completely changed the game. So you could still have that, that sense of accomplishment with the greater tasks and accomplishing those, but you would also have a game that doesn't stay the same, and you can continue to play. Yeah, say you had fans of the game before you did one of these altering events, uh-huh. and they really enjoyed the current content, Yeah, but you wouldn't have any trouble destroying completely all of that current content to replace it with something else that you're unsure of? See, it wouldn't work for everybody, that's the thing. But yeah. what would make my perfect game is just it's it's something in that vein where you can accomplish something big and you can feel that that rush, that sense of accomplishment, but you also have something to look forward to aside from grinding and getting some more gear. Right. Like you know something else is coming to change everything. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. So that that would well, to I mean, me in be a way a big part. in a way MMOs still try and do that and yeah. they do it they do it in the form of expansion packs. True. I guess the Burning Crusade changes it, but not really. It doesn't change the entire well, it, it game. It really does. I mean, there are different spells, new strategies, because a lot of the big part about World of Warcraft, unlike most RPGs, is that has a very, very fine-tuned, well-crafted, if you will, no pun intended, <laughs> um, strategic combat system where various classes really complement each other and they have an excellent online battle system set up with with arenas now and there are new battlegrounds and there are new dynamics and the new game has really changed that a lot with the new spells and talents and all of that I mean the, the actual game itself the way it's played has been altered quite a bit and it's not just the new zones and environments and weapons but it's also what the player is actually doing and is capable of doing that has changed. I don't know. To me, that just seems and the whole, like... And the whole end game is different. I mean, before yeah. you were level 60 and you were doing... At level 60, you did this, this, that, and then you kept doing this, that, and this over and over and over. Well, what's it going to be when you get to 70? There, There's just so much new content at 70. You don't have just a handful of options anymore. You have tons of options... And, I mean, you have the a new dynamic of being able to fly. You have flying characters now. Both the druid now has a flight form. He turns into, a, like, this 
this Al Hawk like hybrid and I don't know. That doesn't plus really there, change there are new for me. spells and there are new talents. I mean, my paladin has been transformed into a a healer with plate, and now I can actually tank again, or I can do improved DPS. It's not not great, but it's a uh, it's a lot better than it was. So it feels a little different. Yeah, like a little bit, but I'm talking radically changing it. To where I I don't feel like I'm really playing the same game, but it's the same the same quality, the same caliber game. Which I I don't even know if that's possible, but that would make a, one of the things that makes a perfect game for me. It sounds like you're suggesting also pl- changing the genre of the game itself. Uh, yeah, that's a possibility. Turning it from an action game to a racing game or something. <laughs> Anything. I think that would keep it more fresh. <laughs> make me want to continue playing it if it's of the same quality as the game I was playing before. Although for a lot of people, you're right, that wouldn't that would be terrible. They would hate it. Yeah, because... they would be like, I really liked fighting in martial arts tournaments, and now I have to race around a go-kart track. What the fuck? I think one of the, one of the cool things that I like about it would be that it's very experimental, and I just want to see how people would react to it. Like, for instance, if all of a sudden people noticed that they were turning into zombies, because at first they'd be like, what the fuck is going on? This dude just bit me. They'd see some animation they never saw before and be like, that was weird. And they'd forget about it and go about their business. And then it'd be interesting to see what people would do when they start changing into zombies and they're like, they're confused and have no idea what's going on. Yeah, I bet that would have some interesting forum discussion. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Holy shit, are you a zombie? <laughs> but they wouldn't have no. any idea until somebody came in and posted and was like, I'm a freaking zombie! And they'd be like, no, you're not. Shut up. There's no zombies in this game. Right, right. And then a <laughs> week later, there's 10,000 zombies. and <laughs> Yeah, that would be kind of interesting. I don't know how long that would be really interesting though yeah because in my opinion the perfect game also has like infinite long longevity yeah i mean it's something you wouldn't mind picking up and playing 20 years from now and it's just like super mario world i first played super mario world in 92 or 93 yeah i mean that's getting to be around 14 15 years ago yep that's a that's a big chunk in my life yeah and that's when I first sat down, I played the game, sat down in front of my TV and enjoyed that game, and first experienced it. And I picked it up the other day, and I turned it on, and I played it halfway through gleefully. Yeah. And that says something to me about the quality of a game. To be able to be surrounded by high-def, widescreen graphics with 7.1 surround sound and and wireless, high-speed internet multiplayer options and and scoreboards and forums and and talent points and all this stuff that you can get in modern-day gaming. And I pick up a fucking 15-year-old game... And play it more than all the new shit combined, you know, and, yeah. and have more fun, more just pure joy fun out of it. Yeah. That says something, uh, to me that says, yeah, this is a fucking timeless game. This is a great game. Yeah. Truly, truly great. And that would have to be there in the perfect game. 
Yeah, definitely. Because if it's not a perfect game, you know, then you you know you're going to eventually forget it and it's going to fade out into nothing and collect dust and it'll just be a memory. But the perfect game would still be fun when all the technology has changed and all the dynamics in gaming has changed and you still pick up that game and enjoy it. That is going to be there with the perfect game. Yeah, and that's one of the reasons Counter-Strike is, so, is number one on my list because no matter what I play, I always go back to that as my FPS of choice. Yeah, when all else fails, there's always Counter-Strike, right? Yeah. But but what I was saying about before, the dynamic while still feeling accomplishment, that's really all I mean. I don't mean that it has to be what I described, that scenario, but I want to feel that accomplishment, and I want it to be uh, something I can play forever without getting bored and yeah. grinding. Right, right, I understand that. So that's probably my biggest thing in the perfect game. It always has to be fun. Yeah, it always it has, has to, to be keep really me... long, but it's still enjoyable all that time. Yeah, but it also has to to allow me to feel some accomplishment. Because huh. I think that's the thing I was missing when I was playing World of Warcraft <laughs> is the sense of accomplishment. I mean, I was just grinding up levels and killing the same bad guy every two seconds. Well, my friend, there is something to be said about having a full tier one epic set of <laughs> amazing armor that gives you head and shoulders, no pun intended, uh, abilities above the rest of the pack in your field and to have brand new spells and a brand new mount that's tons faster than the other mounts that's golden and shiny and has auras shooting out its ass. And a brand new bag. And a brand new motherfucking bag. That is a big <laughs> a sense of accomplishment. Of like when I log into a new character and I see how they look like a street bum that you'd run over as you drive your car downtown <laughs> yeah. Indianapolis and not even know it. And then I log over to Morolith, who is my paladin, and I've been playing him for two years, and I see all of his epic gear and all of the fancy... I mean, the new equipment in Outlands is quite ornate. Uh-huh. And to see just the few pieces that I've gotten in Outlands and how awesome they are is is quite the sense of accomplishment for me. All right. Very much so. And being able to so defeat you're a collector. big powerful. I really enjoy uh I really enjoy collecting really great stuff that makes me not only look good mm-hmm. but also kick a lot of ass. All right. Well, here's another thing that I think I really would have to have in my perfect game. It's the ability to create my own items, my own completely unique items that no one else has. Uh, yes. Because that's that the thing. That would be hard to do. Uh, yeah, so but it's a perfect want, game. It's not You basically want it. to have access to their, uh, to their designing software and be able to well, either, upgrade, it, upgrade the game yourself. Either that or I want so many freaking options that it's not likely anyone will make it. How about that? Because that's the thing, in Warcraft, you you end up at the high levels and you have the same gear. You look exactly the same as every other every other person in your class, and your race. Yeah, well, that's kind of changing as well with the new Burning Crusade. But not to the degree that I'd like to see. I mean, I'm talking where you might run into two other people in the entirety of the universe that have the same configuration you do. Yeah, that brings me to another one of my points, the realism factor. In my vision of the perfect game, it would give you 
the opportunity to to realistically do pretty much anything you could conceive if that scenario scenario were real. Yeah. Like for example, if I was really in the Star Wars universe, then I could go to any planet that's in the Star Wars encyclopedia. Yeah. And I could take their technology and blend it with the technology I have on my character already. And I could do more realistic actions instead of just the pre-thought out, mm-hmm. you know, actions I'm supposed to do. Yeah. I would have an insane amount of freedom, which would require a great deal of detail to be put into a game. That's one of the reasons I was really excited about Oblivion. Oh, yeah. Uh, everything in that world is manipulated. You can manipulate anything you see realistically. That reminds me of when Deuce Ex came out. That yeah. was one of the first games I really remember being touted as you can pretty much do anything you want with anything in the game. <laughs> yeah. Good but Ob- Oblivion did that to a much greater degree, right? So that kind of uh, detail is necessary. Yeah, and that's something we talked about. Uh, I mean, that would be in our greatest game ever. Since we were real young, we've talked about that before. Yeah, being able to do anything you want. Yeah, I mean, you could, I don't know, go grab a a horse's tail and pull on it and yank out the hairs and use them to craft a whistle to (laughs) do whatever you want. Yeah, absolutely. To to the nth degree. And basically we're talking virtual reality because that's the only way it's possible. Because uh-huh. with the control, with a controller, you don't have enough <laughs> control yeah. over what you're doing. So it would have to be a power glove that worked. Yeah, it would and have a to be a, a power suit. It would really. Yeah. So basically, I'm thinking mm-hmm. our or my perfect game anyway would be a virtual reality game where it it's dynamically changing, and I can do pretty much anything I want, and make any items I want. <laughs> And there, I mean, it's gaming is actually getting closer to that vision. Closer, yeah, yeah. It's definitely making progress towards that kind of a thing. Yep. And another thing that goes along with that, with what you said about being able to do anything, is I think in my perfect game it would be essential to have PvP and unfettered PvP where you can literally attack anyone anywhere at any time. And there may be consequences for it, but you can do it. And that's why I like games like, I think Vanguard is kind of cool in that respect because it lets you attack anyone pretty much anywhere you want. Um, and then also Age of Conan, I think, is what it's called. It's going to do that too. But that, that to me is an essential, PvP, because competition is always more fun than not competing against somebody, I think. And there's going to be a lot of Care Bears out there that say, no, I just want to craft all day and I want to grind my level 900 character out but I don't know to me again I'm going to have to come back a lot of the things you say are available and and freaking wow man yeah you you can join a pvp no, no, server no, 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 no. or you can join a, a rp server you can have it you can't way. attack anyone in a town can you uh yeah you can but there are zones where you can't attack people that's only the starter zones after after like the first starting zones you're you're out in the world to be killed man no lame that's you know what there is a game that does that and it's called eve eve online is you can attack anyone anywhere but there are severe consequences if you do 
Like there are certain security levels in different sectors where if you go yeah. in and attack somebody in like a, a security level one, the guards will come after you and destroy you like instantly. So you can do it, you can kill them, but you you pay the price. Yeah. And and this isn't necessarily stuff that hasn't been done before. It's just stuff that I would see in a perfect game. Say in World of Warcraft, you make a level one character. Yeah. A level sixty comes into your town, and supposing he sneaks past the guards, which are like level sixty-five, mm-hmm. which are there to obviously protect the new people. If the level one chooses to, he can have a PvP flag on and be attacked nope. and killed in that town. That's what I'm talking about. Screw that PvP flag. But but you don't understand. See, with the PvP <laughs> servers, uh-huh. all you have is that starting zone or two buffer. I completely understand and that. Then, and then when you're like level 10 and, and at least know the mechanics of the game, then when you move on to a zone to level beyond like 10 or so, uh-huh. In a PvP server, then from then on, the entire rest of the entire world experience on up to level 70 and all through the Outlands <laughs> is completely contested zones. Yep. Which means that if you run into anything from 10 above, it's a real-world encounter there instantly. If you run into a godlike character, level 70, and he's, you know, comes along on a swift, epic mount... <laughs> he will dismount and he'll blink at you twice and you'll die and he'll he can camp your corpse and make your life hell if he wants. Yeah. Well, that's a good start, but uh, I don't like the fact that you can't attack somebody early enough. <laughs> and you can get on the horn and uh contact other players and they can come defend you and it's uh it's very dynamic that way on the PVP server. Or if you want to and if you're the the kind of person that's like, "I just want to craft and Level grind, and I don't want to be bothered. You know, then you have that choice if you if you want, and you can play on the uh, more pansy servers. I don't know. From everything I've heard <laughs> about World of Warcraft, it's not nearly as PvP oriented as like an Eve or an An or an Eve or a Vanguard or something like that. I would say it is one of the biggest pvp mmos of all time okay which are the ones have you played world objectives now are new you now have zones <laughs> no, that i'm gonna have ask like... you which other ones have you played how do you know that i've played final fantasy uh 11 i have uh-huh. played star wars uh galaxies none of which are known for their pvp um no they're not so that's that's kind of my experience I have not played Eve, if that's all you're referring to. No, there's a lot of them coming out now that are much more PvP-related. And I think uh, Anarchy uh, was, too, wasn't it? Anarchy Online is supposed to be, uh, and it's supposed to supposedly excellent fun. Yeah. But uh, WoW is very, very much PvP-oriented, especially now. There's uh, so much. There's so much that's, the, I mean, half of the game is PvP. There are two halves, I'd say. There's the okay. questing, and then the dungeoning, and then there's the PvP and the battlegrounds. Well, that that makes me makes me realize what's different between Eve and like the PvP in Eve and the PvP in World of Warcraft. In World of Warcraft, there is, uh, for the most part, absolutely no consequence to to the PvP or no no accomplishment with the PvP. In a game like Eve. 
when you're PvPing, you're you're changing the world. Like if you form a big guild or corporation, what is what they're called in Eve, you yeah. can literally dominate the galaxy by doing that. I mean, you can't. It's it's hard to explain the difference between them. But How do you dominate the galaxy? The game really relies mostly on PvP. I mean, there are some quests to do in EVE, but, yeah. but they really they have no consequence on the galaxy or the universe. Whereas in World of Warcraft, all the, all the events are pretty much made and scripted by the mods, and whatever you do as a player can't affect that. Yeah. As far as I've seen, anyway. But in Eve, it's really it's player driven, like, and and it all revolves around PvP. Well, one thing that WoW has done that's uh, brand new is they've introduced uh, in the expansion uh, leagues, basically. Okay. And they're for arena battles. No so basically, way. you have two on two, three on three, and five on five teams. Mm-hmm. And you get them together, and you fill out an official charter, and you're actually a team. And they have seasons now, so over two months, the entire world competes. And whoever wins at the end of the two months, Blizzard will grant that the winning team of each rank like something legendary that you cannot get by achieving anything else in the game. <laughs> For right. example, the brand new... Uh, like Nether Drake mounts that are like, like legendary mounts. Yeah, that's that's the first prize after after the first season of combat. Huh. So only like you know a dozen people on each server will get those. Yeah, but it doesn't do anything to affect the other players' experiences at all of the game. I don't know. We're not talking about the difference between WoW and other games. <laughs> We're talking about uh, what makes a perfect game. And I say an extreme emphasis on PvP and and the players guiding the game would be yeah. a, a great game for me. It would be awesome to have a player-driven, a solely player-driven dynamic. That's something that has always been available in, for example, tabletop RPGs yeah, yeah. like D&D, where you had a set of rules, but then the the game was alive because the players decided. Like, for example, the GM could have a big map drawn up and he could have a dungeon completely in his mind as to what he wants him to do, where and when. But then one of the players could go, oh, I want to go north for 20 miles. You know, and then he would have to yeah. just on the fly create what's going on. Yeah. It would be amazing to have a gorgeous-looking game that that gave you that type of freedom, where you could at any moment go your own way, and there would still be compelling content available. You know what? That is the ultimate game right there. A tabletop RPG that you can look at. <laughs> it really is. It's so basically game. you have live designers. Yes, designing it on <laughs> that are to your on the, fly, on the fly in real time. time. Yep. <laughs> Seriously, that's the only way to get the perfect game. You might, we might be on to something there. <laughs> oh oh yeah, might, if you could do that, go for that, it. That might be possible. In fact, <laughs> you never know. Oh yeah, right. I mean, I mean, if you're a really good level designer, you can design a map in a few minutes. You know. <laughs> no, here's actually here's what I think would have to happen to make 
what I consider the perfect game. They would have to literally make a universe. They would have to make all, <laughs> all of the laws of physics. They would have to do. They would have to make every single creature that ever existed in it. They would have to make everything beyond what who's you could the lead, get to. Who's, who's the lead designer at um, at Valve? What's the guy? Gabe what? Gabe Newell. Yeah, Gabe Newell. Newell. However you say. Yeah, it. he's. He, I read an interview with him in the latest Game Informer. Basically, I guess Source Engine Two is going to do everything you just said. Oh, oh fuck you! <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, okay. But I mean, Source was an enormous. I mean, step in the right direction. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. A huge step in the right direction for that. Yeah. Because suddenly you can apply to any object that you place in your 3D environment. You apply real-world physics to it. I mean, it didn't get down to the blade of grass, but it's definitely mm-hmm. possible. Eventually, yes, it will the be. The thing is, I mean, you just have to have... Uh, I guess the perfect game is just going to have an, have to have an infinite amount of content, basically. Yeah. The perfect game is, like, uh, in my mind, like I said, the, the tabletop RPG that you can see and physically interact with. So it would have to have live. It's a holodeck. I mean, that's has, has to have streaming updates, and it would have to have yeah. in, it would have to have some kind of a real time input as to your current interest level in the game, <laughs> so that if your interest level starts to wane, it could instantly come up with some <laughs> plot device it triggers or an some event. <laughs> or an event that would keep you going. <laughs> oh, it sounds like the fucking Truman Show or something. It oh, really quick. does. This dude's getting bored. Hit him with a fucking fireball. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Have a meteor drop on his ass. <laughs> yeah, you'd have to have people like with cameras monitoring your playing of the game. <laughs> Stick a, a I really can't. spokes. <laughs> my God, if I have to kill another skeleton to get my level. Holy shit, the world's transforming <laughs> before my very eyes. That would be creepy. I wouldn't want people watching me while I play a game. No, no, God, no. That'd be messed up. Monitoring my pulse and my brain waves <laughs> as I play, just so they can make it more fun on the fly. <laughs> yeah, actually, you might be onto something there. I think uh, the most perfect you could get the control scheme would be to where it just jacks into my brain and I don't have to move, but yet I feel like I'm moving. Yeah, that would be crazy. So that's my perfect game. Anything else you can think of? I can think of uh, one more thing I would like to add. All right. If you want to name all the main genres of games, uh-huh. I can more or less come up with one of my favorite games in every genre. Mm-hmm. And I think the perfect game would have to include, within the game, very excellent and perfect versions of every genre to date in it that yeah. could be played. Well, a real-world simulation would, I mean, yeah, by default. I mean, in a real-world sim, you could go to a racetrack and have perfect physics and race, and, yeah. and it would be exciting and dynamic. And Or you could hop in a plane. and But there would have to be, like plot and story-driven elements that would make it all cohesive. Definitely, yeah. You have to, you can't just have a big sandbox. You've got to have some sort of story to drive the player along. Otherwise, why not just live real life? (laughs) Yeah, right. It's got to be a mixture between like the story-driven elements in a 
role-playing game such as Knights of the Old Republic meets a sandbox like Battlefield 1942. Yeah. That's part of what I think would make uh, one of the perfect, one of the most perfect games. And it should have multiplayer elements that are both simple and living room based with buddies mm-hmm. and also grander online elements. For example, you could have a party based around the game and have people over and you could all four be playing it and have a great time. But then it could be even more exciting because what you did there in the living room might affect what you do later on when they go back home and you all log into the main server, you know? Yeah, it would have to have giant group goals to attain. Mm-hmm. Like fighting off a zombie horde. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I was a big zombie fan, so... Anything else on that? Oh, probably, but... Who has the time? I'm sure, but we've got an eight-hour podcast on our hands anyway. Yep. So let's uh, move into what we're playing. All righty. Uh, I've been playing just NES games lately. Oh, really? Yeah, I, and I've been trying to play the harder ones, to uh, the ones that would frustrate any normal human being to the point of turning it off and smashing the game on their face. And two of those games are Russian Attack and Castlevania. And Russian Attack is terrible and crappy and boring, and Castlevania is awesome and enthralling and just as hard. <laughs> really? Yeah. I, 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 to be honest, I hate Russian Attack. It's a terrible game, but I started playing it, so I had to beat it, and I finally did. But I'm going to talk a little bit about Castlevania because it's a freaking awesome game. Never played the original. Oh, man, it's so good. It's <laughs> Compared to today's games, it's probably going to bore the crap out of any kid. Yeah. Because It'll all it is... Bore the crap out of me? <laughs> um, You have an appreciation for older games and what they were in their time, so probably not. But I'll tell you what, the last boss fight will not bore you. It will frustrate the shit out of you. If you think you can beat Dracula with just a whip and some holy water... You are sadly mistaken. Really? I tried for probably four hours just to beat the last boss, Dracula. Fucking on an (laughs) NES game? On an NES game. Four hours? That's the beauty of the NES, man. It was so... The games were so freaking short, but they were hard as shit. (laughs) So they ended up being like ten hours long. (laughs) Yep. But no, once you kill Dracula, you think you killed him, and he turns into this freakish bat-beast thing. And then he's even, like, twice as hard as he was as Dracula. Oh, God. Yeah. Was the first one just called Castlevania? Yeah. Or did it have, like, a subtitle? No, it was Castlevania. No subtitle on that one. I wonder which one is considered... I don't know much about the series. Uh Uh-huh. I didn't get into that Dracula-type vampiric series. One of the reasons I really like the Kane series, because I do like vampires. But, um... I wonder which one is considered the best. I can tell you right now. What? Symphony of the Night on the PlayStation 1. Oh, yeah, Symphony of the Night. Yep. It, it is the most popular. Oh, it's I hands down it's... the best, too. Really? You think so? It, absolutely, yeah. Because I, I did play it. I finally rented it, got a hold of it. Don't tell me and you didn't I like played it. it. I played it. It's pretty good, but, I mean, I wasn't, wasn't blown away like... Well, like I was supposed to be. Then maybe you wouldn't like the Castlevania series, because it is the best, for sure. Huh. 
I mean, the only one that even comes close, well, Castlevania 1 and 3 are both good. 2 is a giant pile of shit. Right. Yeah, the Nintendo nerd uh, filled me in on that. <laughs> 2 Hysterical. is freaking terrible. Because I have 2 also, and I, I started playing it, and I couldn't I couldn't even play past the second town. I just said, fuck it. It's like an RPG kind of thing. It has, like, elements of RPGs, but it's yeah. fucking rotten. God, they should have thrown it out with the trash because it's terrible. Should have buried it with E.T. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, that's pretty bad. (laughs) Yeah, but the first one is really good. And I have a little story about the first one. This is, (laughs) it's weird. I was playing this at my cousin's house, my cousin Mario's house, believe it or not. His name is Mario. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Isn't that the cousin that could beat Zelda in an hour? Yeah, he beat it in like 50 minutes or something. Yeah, I just thought that was weird. Your cousin Mario could beat Zelda in an hour. <laughs> yeah, he was. Uh, they had the NES before we did, actually, which mm-hmm. is surprising because we got it pretty early, like a year after it came out. But I, I was down in their basement. And we were playing Castlevania, and it was the first time I'd ever seen Castlevania. And of course, my cousin Mario beat it, and he was good at it because he was good at every freaking game. Um, but at the same night, we were watching. Friday the 13th, which was the most fucked up thing. You've got a picture of, like, an eight-year-old kid watching a movie like Friday the 13th. Yeah. (laughs) Where some freakish burnt guy with claws for fingers is invading Uh your dreams and destroying people and blood is shooting all over bathrooms. God, it was fucked up. And Castlevania is all, like, a part of that weird (laughs) blood-infested experience. It kind of all melds together with that. That I don't know. Right. I just have this weird feeling every time I play Castlevania. But hmm. is it like a scary feeling, or no? It's just I remember that, and because now Friday the Thirteenth is nothing. It's oh sure, but I mean back then. I mean to a kid. No, back then crazy. I was freaked out. Yeah. Oh hell yeah! <laughs> <laughs> Had nightmares for weeks. Anyway, so that's what I've been playing. Just Castlevania right. and Russian Attack. Well, I, I recently, what I've been playing, I bought a new DS game. Uh-huh. Uh, I have purchased Hotel Dusk. Ooh, la la. Room 215. It's getting great reviews. Yep. Rightfully so. It's an excellent game. It's very slow, and it's very much plot-oriented, but it's uh, it's quite, Im- quite impressive for a DS game. What is this game? I. It's it pretty is unique, a, isn't it? It is. You play it like you're reading a novel. You actually open the DS and you have the DS on the side, similar to the way that you would tackle Brain Age. Yeah, yeah. And you basically move around this 3D environment with the touch screen, but you're moving yourself on the left screen. And the touch screen is how you interact with things, the way you manipulate objects in the world. And it's basically a mystery game where you where you remember clues and you ask questions and you're trying to figure out the plot by interacting with the with the people that populate this world. It's kind of like the old text adventure games, isn't it? A little bit. A lot of text, a lot of reading. Because it's obviously... It has graphics. It's not all text. Yeah. It, it reminded me of Maniac Mansion when I first saw it. Yeah, it is a little bit like that. It's in the same... I'd say the same genre yeah. of that style of game. But uh, so far I haven't really discovered much about what's going on, so I'm 
really confused right now, but <laughs> I'm piecing things together. Yeah. I guess it's good to be confused with a mystery game. Yes. It definitely has mystery in it. And, of course, in addition to that, I'm playing most of my life away on the Burning Crusade. Burning Crusade. So, yeah, that's uh, that's my gaming life right now. <laughs> okay. Basically, hotel dusk at, at work and wow at home. <laughs> awesome. Well, I guess that brings us to our final segment, uh, which is a pretty short one. It's just... Uh, we're gonna. We have a thread on the message boards called "Official Power Play Question Thread." Yes. And basically, it's an area where anybody can post any question they want. It doesn't even have to be game related. Uh, just whatever you feel like asking us, ask away, and we will, if we care to, we'll <laughs> answer them on <laughs> answer them on the show. And we got a few questions. We got three questions, all from Zeromus. I think that's how you say his name. Zeromus. Zeromus. And. I guess we'll Finish just run down him. through these real quick and answer them. Uh, All right. He starts off, the first question is, which video game character is the favorite of each of you? Ooh. What do you think? I actually know what yours is. I have, I, yeah, I have not, uh, I've not actually listened to any of these questions in advance, so this will be fully off the top of my head, but, but Mario. Yeah, Mario! <laughs> Mario. You haven't been very secretive about which is your favorite character. No, it's uh, we all pretty much knew. Only have one bobblehead on my desk, ladies and gentlemen, and it's um, it's Luigi. No, Mario. It's man. it's Waluigi. Oh, who? <laughs> who? I well, you're gonna have to you. say his name after this next question. Anyway, uh, I'd say my favorite character is probably, and I'm I might get some shit for this, but I think Sephiroth from Final Fantasy VII. He's just one badass dude, isn't he? He is a bad. He's badass motherfucker, and, and he's a great character too. I think. Yeah, his, very interesting. He's very, very torn and haunted, and yeah, he's he's a deep character, and he also I, I really feel scared of him when he's on the screen. He is uh, intimidating. Yeah, so that's our favorites. Uh, next, Zeromus asks, which video game character do each of you absolutely despise? Well, that's easy for me. I know. Uh, Waluigi. Oh, you said that name. Yeah, the name that must not be mentioned. Yep. It's a shame. Yes, he's my least favorite game character of all time because <laughs> he's, uh, he is the Antichrist with a mustache. <laughs> wow. And the Antichrist has a better name. <laughs> yeah. At least that's something that's pronounceable. Yep. Alright, so Waluigi for you. I think my most despised character... Yeah, who's that going to be? ...is Barney from Half-Life, the security guard. What? <laughs> He's fucking awesome! No, I fucking hate this guy. How does he what? manage... How is he the only guy that manages to stay alive? Tell me that. I freaking hate him. He should have died. You're insane. The guy is the only guy to stay alive because he's the only guy with a name. <laughs> it's <laughs> obvious. That's hysterical. I it's like, him. I mean, I a red him. shirt on the original Star Trek series, would a red shirted ensign normally live? Or, or, or are they obviously known to be killed? 
Yeah, yeah. You know, they're 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 born to die, basically. <laughs> Redshirt and ensigns die cannon fodder with ease, like a newborn held over a volcano. <laughs> so you have these red shirted ensigns out there, but suddenly if the red shirted ensign has a name, uh-huh. his survival rating goes up like fifty percent. Yeah, but so usually Barney had a name. Barney his name. I know. So I mean that's why he's the one. And he, he's cool. He has a great sense of humor. No, fuck Barney. Oh, he doesn't you help never you at played? all. I've, oh, I played him. I love him. That's my second favorite game ever. But I fucking hate Barney. He's an he asshole. Gives, he, he's not an asshole. He's he an th- asshole. In Half-Life 2, he throws, his, uh, he throws you that uh, crowbar. Yeah, gee, thanks, Barney. Throw me your fucking gun, please. <laughs> the fucking crowbar. I'd come down here, I'll hit you with it. <laughs> Gosh! Seriously, I wish that game did let you hit the people. But anyway, he's an asshole. He does nothing to help you. I think he's great, but whatever. He's not the one running from the law. Why doesn't he give you the gun? Hmm? Tell me well, that. Maybe he wants to protect himself. See, asshole. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, okay. Well, that's my most right. hated character. Okay. My most despised character. All right, and the last question that Zermus asks is, what are each of your most awkward moments in video gaming? Can you think of one? If you can't you go, think of one instantly, I know. I instantly can recall yeah, my most go. awkward moment. Okay, go ahead. My most awkward moment happened at the aforementioned land party in Ohio, where I won yes. the Counter-Strike tournament. Mm-hmm. The Counter-Strike tournament was not the only tournament that I won that day. I also won the UT 2K3 tournament. Oh, really? Indeed, I did. And Unreal tournament. Unreal tournament 2003. And it was an interesting experience, to say the least. Because it was a, a game that I had not played before. Right. And I really didn't think I would do well at all in the tournament and I said fuck it I'll join anyway it's an FPS I'm good at Counter-Strike why not try it worst that can happen is I lose right yeah right so I get in this game and there are probably like eight people playing and we're all playing the server at the same time and the person who gets the most kills wins that's just how it is that's kind of simple yeah and so we use only rail guns like a really powerful it's the one hit kill thing well, not oh. not truly. If you hit them in the body, it'll take two hits, or if they have um, armor or anything. So it's it's a couple hits, or in the head, it's one. Does it shoot in a spray pattern? Or no, it's dead on. It's like a, it's just like the railgun in Quake Two, where it's like pinpoint oh, accuracy and instant shooting. Wow! Like it instantly hits them. It doesn't take time. Kind of like to the RCP ninety. <laughs> I guess, <laughs> except it's. It's not rapid fire, it's just one shot, wait a second, another shot. Oh, okay. But anyway, I so I joined up in this tournament, and we, we get halfway through, and it's pretty obvious who the better players are. And there's this one guy who's head and shoulders above everybody else except for me. And we're neck and neck the entire game. And mm-hmm. it ends up, he's he's ahead with like a minute left, and I kill him a couple times real quick, go ahead... And he he kind of loses spirit because he's losing, and I I end up beating him by like five kills, and so wow. And after the match, he comes over to me and he's like, 
man, you are freaking awesome at this game. I've never seen anybody that could even compete with me. I pride myself on how good I am at this game. I've never <laughs> lost in a tournament. And all the while, I'm I'm just not wanting to say what I'm forced to say next. I have to tell <laughs> the poor bastard <laughs> that I have never played this game before. And you should have seen the look on his face. It's like I told him I just fucked his mother. It, <laughs> the man's jaw hit the floor. His eyes glazed over. His shoulders slumped. His dick fell off. <laughs> I've never heard that part of the story. It, might, it may as well have. because I don't think that. Yeah. It might as Probably well have. shriveled up and died. <laughs> His testes <laughs> shriveled up and sucked themselves back into his body. In- oh, God, they inverted. <laughs> yep. He now has a cooch. <laughs> oh, God. This is how he must have felt, because immediately after I told him that, he walked uh-huh. over his, to his computer, uh-huh. he packed up all of his stuff, and he left. The land party it- was not even close to over. Oh, it was for him. <laughs> but it was for him, you're right. Maybe even his life, I don't know. I completely shattered this man's reality. His self-image. Oh yeah, gone, down the drain. Yeah. And having to tell that man, that poor soul, that I had never played a game, and I had just heartily trounced him, that yeah. was the most awkward moment in video games. You can games. only imagine if if we were at like a golden eye tournament <laughs> and we were at our prime and oh my god and like somebody as goofy as arthur our our buddy arthur <laughs> came up and and waylaid us <laughs> and then we were like that is incredible how long have you played this game and then he would tell us that's the first time oh man can you, you imagine you have have you ever had to tell anyone something like that Never in my life. That's terrible. It's very, very awkward, especially yeah. after they tell you how they've never lost and all this stuff. Oh, Honestly, I felt so bad for him. I'm kind of a wicked man in the fact oh, that no. I think I would really internally be laughing my ass off. <laughs> you know, I was until he came up to me and started telling me about all the stuff, he, all the times he's played. Oh, really? Like, yeah, really when I won, on. I was like, yes! I was up screaming, and I was laughing, and, and I, oh, man, it was horrible. Horrible. <laughs> Most awkward moment in gaming, in my gaming life, definitely. Awkward. Yeah. Man, I can't really think of any awkward moments. I don't know. Nothing that tops that? <laughs> oh, nothing tops that, for sure. <laughs> huh. Oh, poor man. Had to go home and face his family. Yeah. Maybe he was on the news later that night for some awful crime. If I can't shoot people in the game that I own at, I'm going to shoot them in reality. All the people I love, in fact. Blam. No, um... Maybe your most awkward moment is the pers- having to face the person who told you that you could beat <laughs> Psycho Mantis in Controller 2 port. Yeah, that was pretty awkward. <laughs> I don't know. I can't think of many awkward gaming moments. Yeah. Awkward it's is just... uh, something you don't usually attribute to gaming. No. In my uh-uh. case, I had a great one, but but yeah, most people I would imagine don't have an awkward moment in gaming. Uh, there are times <laughs> when I've been playing a game with some explicit content or some content I, I would 
you know, feel weird having my parents see, and they would walk into my room, and I'd be playing a game. There'd be some, <laughs> you know, violent scene happening or something, yeah. and it would just kind of feel a little weird. But that's about it. You know, growing up, I've had that happen a few times. But, I mean, I can't think of anything outstandingly awkward. Huh. Okay. I'll uh, have to get back to him on that. Lame. Sorry. Yep. Anyway, I think uh, Zeromus <laughs> mentions getting caught playing Barbie for the NES with your pants down. I wonder if that's uh, purely anecdotal or if that's experience talking. <laughs> Oh, I do remember one one thing. Oh no! I remember once I uh, I bought a game magazine. This was back in the Dreamcast days, uh-huh. and I I bought a Dreamcast magazine. And one of the reasons I bought it was because it had uh, interactive demos on it. Yeah, like all good mags come with. Yep. And uh, had a movie of this game that I was really enthused about. And I popped it into my Dreamcast, and I'm watching this awesome trailer. And just, I mean, the interaction in the game world, the fighting, <laughs> the graphics, everything was hands down by far way better than anything I'd ever seen before in my entire life. <laughs> and at the end of this great trailer for an excellent Dreamcast game coming around soon this year, the announcer says in this very, very deep serious voice he announces the title of the game that I had just been watching and he says Shamu (laughs) and I go what the fuck is Shamu (laughs) and this of course I'm talking about well it is Shamu (laughs) (laughs) but I will never call it that ever in my life for the rest of my days that game, in my mind, is Shemu uh, for the Dreamcast, but apparently it's pronounced Shemu, and it made me feel really awkward because I was really excited until I heard him say Shemu, and I was like, I didn't see a goddamn whale in that whole trailer. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, there you go. You got one. Yeah, that was not nearly as awkward as yours, but awkward nonetheless. Yes. All right. Well, I think that about does it for episode eight of Power Play. Episode eight. Yep. So tons uh, of content now. Yeah, and we're I'm actually working on a lot of content for the website. Oh yeah. Yeah, I, I put up an article. I'm pretty sure everybody saw that about the making of the modern controller, and. Mm-hmm. uh I'm working on some, like a high score section where you can post uh, demos of your high scores and stuff like that, and we keep records of who's got the highest score or the fastest time in certain games. That'll be kind of cool. And yeah, I'm working on a lot of updates for the website. I put up a chat. We're gonna have to set up a time for everybody to come in and chat. So if you're interested in that, get on our forums and uh, just look out for the for a post on that. Yes, indeed, that would be cool to have live chat. Yep, and if you have any other questions, suggestions, or comments, you can also go to our forums at www.gongradio.com. Dot com! <laughs> That's g-o-n-g-radio.com. <laughs> uh, and we can always use more reviews on iTunes. We still only have two. We've had two for like 18 years now, so come on, people. Yeah, 18 years. I remember when we got our second review. 
about the time. Power play episode two, and now we've done eight. (laughs) Yep. So get on iTunes, people. Come on, leave us some reviews. Yeah, please. Or send us some mail or post questions for our next uh, official question thread episode. Do you and your mail order bride a favor and review Power Play today. Indeed. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Okay. And I think that's going to about do it. With that said, until next time, I'm Jim Jones. And I am Peter Street. Shamu! Since time immemorial, the Belmont clan has stood in opposition to Dracula. Every 100 years, Dracula would rise from his grave, and the Belmont would be there to stop him. This is the story of year 47. Which Belmont? Nasty. And with that sound again. We smell what?